you know, we had this feeling uh, that, uh, well, I, I should say after we saw the first UFO, we had this feeling that, you know, they were trying to, uh, they, whoever they were, trying to communicate to us in some way. We both, you know, had the uh, impression that they were, uh, they had come to take us away wherever that is. So we saw the series of UFOs. We watched, walked about a... Uh, Oh, a mile, a mile and a half on the ditch bank, then came back around. The last UFO we saw was like this meteor that came down from the sky and was starting to burn up, then it turned into a UFO, then disappeared. That was the last one. So we returned, turned around and walked back, and when we got to the place where we saw the UFO there, we saw this beam of light come down. Woo. Uh, but it was emanating from nothing we could see up there. We, you know, and that, so that was kind of the end of the experience. I'm not sure what that beam of light meant. If we had been in it, we would have been transported away or had some type of other strange experience. So um, after that, we uh, wrestled with what you know, what the hell did we see? You know, I, initially I was going, yeah, man, those were we saw it. Aliens and UFOs, and but my my buddy was going, nah, man, I'm not so sure. Then uh, later on, I wasn't so sure, and he came around to thinking, yeah, it was uh, ETs and UFOs. And at the end of the day, we really weren't sure. But over the years, I've tried to figure out, you know, what what exactly uh, went down. And one of the theories that makes the most uh, sense is uh, John Kill's super spectrum theory that he talked about where if you know a lot of UFO encounters uh, occur with people who have altered their consciousness somehow uh, not necessarily drugs but uh, you know there's a uh, different means so a lot of people go into trance states and whatnot before their um, UFO encounters and uh, he called it the super spectrum uh, theory where if you're on, say, a uh, power place, uh, some a UFO hotspot, and you've, uh, you have altered uh, consciousness, you know, perhaps through uh, hallucinogenic drugs or some other way, you're able to see into uh, windows, you know, where you can look into another uh, dimension. And I think that's kind of what uh, might have happened that night with the, the combination of drugs and perhaps being in an energy uh, spot where we'd squeegeed our third eyes enough to uh, see beyond the veil and uh, see whatever they were. I'm not sure if they were uh, aliens, uh, ET-operated uh, craft, or they were some kind of uh, other... Uh, uh, critters, some other type of energies. I have no idea. Or if it was, uh, you know, part, it also seemed like a co-creative symbiotic experience that I told hmm. you what, you know, some of the UFOs were cartoonish. It was almost like that trickster element of these energies or whatever they were kind of playing, playing a game with us maybe, but, uh, to kind of wind up this, uh, Story years later, I wrote a uh, piece called "Were the uh, 
early UFO contactees, ritual magicians, and I kind of toyed with the idea that what we uh, experienced that night was like an unwitting magic ritual. Remember, I said before we even got to the ditch bank, what if we saw some UFOs, you know? We kind of planted that uh, seed, and that's what ritual magicians uh, do. We did it unwittingly, but if you go into uh, ritual magic, you have a... uh, Something in mind that you want to achieve and you use, uh, you know, different ways to go forth about trying to, you know, bring that about through magical ritual. And sometimes, you uh, you know, different drugs are used or meditation or tantric sex or these type of things. So anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. We are indeed going down the rabbit hole tonight. Mm hmm. Now, when did you realize that you wanted to become a writer? Uh, back around that time in the uh, late 70s, my friend I was with, uh, he he's a musician. I wrote a lot of songs with him uh, back in the day. We still do stuff. So I was writing the lyrics and stuff back uh, in the uh, 70s, then that kind of progressed. I tried different things. I was uh, uh, more in my 20s. I was uh, toying around with trying to write fiction. And then in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, I discovered the zine scene and started writing a lot of uh, articles on the paranormal and conspiracies for a lot of the zines back in the day. You know, that was before the Internet uh, became a thing. And zines were all the rage for a few years there in the late 80s, early 90s. That's where it seemed like all the undergroundish, cutting-edge kind of stuff. Uh, people were producing these zines on not only conspiracies and paranormal, but punk music. So I was part of that scene back then. And... uh in the mid-90s, I got interested in a lot of these conspiracies around the uh, Manson family and started exploring that and decided to write a book uh, about the uh, Manson family called The Shadow Over Santa Susanna. And I, that was uh, published in uh, 2001 or so. So that was my first book. Why was... In in your opinion, or I suppose this would be in your book, regarding the Manson trial, what was going on there? Did did something else get covered up? Well, quite possibly so. I think what got glossed over or covered up was uh, uh, Manson's involvement with the beautiful people and the music industry and uh, black... Uh, drug market, the black market for uh, drugs and the involvement of, uh, you know, his connections that he had to different uh, rock stars and people in the uh, movie industry. That's kind of, I think, what uh, got covered up. If something was covered up by Bugliosi, you kind of ignored all that stuff and basically focused on the uh, helter-skelter thing that the uh, murders were random, but... uh, you know, uh, seems pretty obvious that uh, the murders weren't random. That he knew the knew those people, or knew people who knew you know the people who ended up getting murdered. Uh, 
there's a lot to the story, but uh, anyway, in a nutshell, yeah, I think it uh, quite possibly was covered up, was or he... at least at least once again, you know, certain things were ignored because uh, it was more convenient that way, and a lot of you know, a lot of the uh, rich and famous, beautiful people didn't want their uh, name to you know dragged up in the. Uh, papers and the media that they were associated with Manson. Yeah, I've I've heard I've heard stuff about the possibility of the murders being connected to organized crime or even mm-hmm. a, yeah, or even a Hollywood elite like you just mentioned. Mhm. Well, I'm not saying the Hollywood quote unquote elite elite were involved in the uh, murders themselves, but they were involved in a uh, network of uh you know, some seedy drug dealing and those type of activities that uh, went on. How did Charles Manson get all these people to follow him? Well, he was a, uh, you know, the uh, prison was his uh, schoolyard and he uh, soaked up the uh, wisdom of, uh, you know, Jill House wisdom of a lot of uh, people and he learned how to manipulate and, uh, Use people in prison, you know, spent most of his uh, early life in reformatories and prisons. And, uh, you know, there's some stories that he uh, was part of a uh, Scientology cell in uh, prison where he rose to the highest level of uh, Scientology and that he also studied hypnotism and a lot of stuff uh, like that. And so, uh, and he was also... You know, a uh, musician played the guitar uh, reasonably okay and had, uh, you know, some ambition to be a musician. So when he uh, got out of prison, it was right in the, uh, during the summer of love and he uh, grew his hair along and started uh, playing, you know, the guitar out in the uh, Haight-Ashbury and started Attracting, attracting young runaways who he took under his wing. So, you know, that's kind of how he built his family or his cult around himself, that he uh, assumed the role of quote-unquote father for a lot of these uh, wayward uh, flower children. And uh, I mean, there, there's a lot, uh, but, uh, you know, it goes into the story of how he... Uh, got him to be followers and whatever, but it's classic uh, methods of all cult leaders that uh, Charlie utilized. He kind of had a way with women, too, didn't he? Oh, certainly, yeah. And he, well, uh, a lot of them, um, they were very young, you know, underage uh, girls who may have not even had sex before, and that was part of a ritual where he, you know, a lot of these uh, girls were from broken families or whatever, so he was, he'd uh, take them and have sex with them and say, visualize, you know, me as your lover and your father were your old uh, life and your parents were hypocrites and all of this type of stuff, and now you're in a new family, <laughs> the Manson family. And oftentimes they would, uh, the girls would change their names and kind of adopt uh, new identities. So, that, you know, all that's classic uh, cult stuff. Oftentimes the uh, cult leader is the one who uh, is having sex with everyone. 
Was he also giving them drugs like LSD? Oh, yeah, that was part of the programming. Definitely, yeah. That's, once again, to break down, you know, he talked about ego death, and he, uh, you have to kill your old ego, your past, to be born anew, you know, into a tuned-in uh, Manson family uh, member who were leaving the old, you know, society behind. So, yeah, that all factored into it. And often, oh, it looks like we have a, a phone call coming in. Uh, let's see who this is. Hello, caller? Hello, caller, are you there? Hello? Hi. H- Hello, caller, do you have Hi. a question for our guest, Adam Gorightly? I have a, yes, I have a, I have a really good question here. Um, my pretty much my question is about and this is gonna this is gonna this is gonna sound dumb. Um, unicorns. And I I really want Gary to hear this because unicorns I mean now hear me out on this. I know that Gary he's been you know, past the, the universe and he knows that just because you've gone out, it not necessarily means that you not remember everything, but what if, you know, you went there and a unicorn is actually just like an alien horse in a way. And so therefore that memory came back here. It came back here. And so I want to know if maybe possibly a unicorn could be like an alien horse in a way. And so therefore this theory came about here. And I just wanted to see your thoughts on that. Sounds reasonable to me. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I I'm gonna go ahead and and, and hang up on the uh, the unicorn gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I apologize for that. I'm not sure if that was real or what, but uh uh, we usually don't get calls like that. Uh, if that was real, I apologize to the caller, but I'm going to go ahead and move on. A- Adam? Hard, hard, hard to tell. He did sound sincere, but it also sounded preposterous, so who knows? Yeah, not not really something we were talking about. <laughs> but um, one thing I wanted to ask you, every so often before that call came in, I was going to ask, we hear about Charles Manson trying to get his parole uh, what are your opinions on that? It, it, does he deserve that at all? I, I really don't think so. What do you think about that? I, I wouldn't grant him parole, no. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty reasonable. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know why anybody would support that, but he he does still I mean, yeah, have I mean, his fans. It's, it's the uh, process, you know, and people are entitled to parole hearings every uh, so so many years, you know. And, uh, yeah, he just never would get out because of, uh, of who he is, you know, uh, as far as, uh, you know, seen as, uh, yeah, all the bet, all the luggage that goes with the name Charles Manson. There's been people who, uh, have, Done a lot less, really, and uh, been granted parole. But just because of who he is, Manson would never uh, get out. I think nowadays, God, he's so old, it, yeah, he'd probably be relatively harmless, but uh, he'll never get out. 
Yeah, I don't I don't think so. It, it's just uh it's one of those things where our culture and society was actually changed by those events that happened. I mean, of course, you know that you wrote an entire book on it. Mhm. Yeah. And and what about this book? Uh I was looking at this. It looks really interesting. Uh, Historia Discordia. What's that about? <laughs> well, that's uh there's quite a bit there to uh describe what that is, but uh you have to s- start with uh my book on Carrie Thornley, the uh, prankster and the conspiracy, which was published in uh, 2003. I got, you know who Carrie Thornley is? Probably not. Uh, Unfortunately, no. (laughs) Um, Back in the old zine days, I was talking about when I wrote for zines, I came across uh, Carrie Thornley. He was quite an interesting uh, character. He wrote, uh, he was kind of a legendary uh, character. Uh, He, uh, back in... uh, well, the, uh, I guess to start the story, back in uh, 1958, he started a spoof religion called Discordianism, which was the uh, worship of the Greek goddess of chaos and discord, Eris. And he founded this spoof religion with his friend, uh, Greg Hill. And uh, this was basically an in-joke between them and a few other friends. So that was like 1958. In uh, 59, Thornley goes into the Marines where he met Lee Harvey Oswald and got to know Oswald over the period of a couple months and actually started writing a uh, book about Oswald uh, prior to the uh, Kennedy assassination. It was a fictional book called The Idle Warrior, so that was kind of a... uh, curiosity about Kerry Thornley that he was writing a book about Oswald before the assassination. Uh, then in 67, Thornley became a target of uh, Jim Garrison, you know, his old JFK assassination investigation, right? It was yeah. uh, covered in JFK. And uh, JFK, the movie by Oliver Stone. Fantastic and, movie. Yeah. yeah it's kind of... Uh, so-so, some of the information. Ah, we'll have to get <laughs> into that. JFK <laughs> isn't very accurate, but anyway, that's beside the point. But uh, Garrison uh, claimed at one time or another, or suspected, that uh, Thornley was one of the notorious uh, Oswald doubles, you know, running around pretending to be Oswald prior to the assassination. And because Thornley and uh, Oswald, they're... Uh, uh, they overlapped being in New Orleans in the same time in like 1963. Oswald was there for a short period and uh, Thornley lived in the French Quarter for a couple of years during that period. And there were those that claimed they had seen uh, Oswald and Thornley together, but Thornley denied that. So anyway, he became a target of the uh, garrison investigation. He was called before the grand jury and all of this type of stuff. <clears throat> Ultimately, the uh, garrison investigation, uh, when he w- when uh, Clay Shaw was found not guilty of any crimes, that kind of uh, ended the garrison investigation, and the charges of against Thornley went by the wayside as well. But 
as uh, the time passed, we got into the early 70s, uh, Thornley began to suspect that Garrison uh, might have been right in some respect, that uh, Thornley felt he had been involved in the assassination, but unwittingly that he was being set up in the same way that Oswald was presumably set up to be a fall guy for the assassination. And as uh, time passed into the uh, mid-70s, Thornley began to suspect that he and Oswald had been victims of MKUltra experimentation when they were both at Atsugi Base in uh, Japan. And uh, anyway, so there's all this colorful history <laughs> about Kerry Thornley. And uh, I wrote the book about him in 2003. But the, the other part of that is the uh, Discordianism, this fake, uh, fake spoof religion, or maybe it is a real religion, that uh, became uh, a lot of network of people became involved and became Discordians and uh, networked with Kerry Thornley and Greg Hill over the year. One of them was Robert Anton Wilson. And uh, you familiar with the uh, book, the books, the Illuminatus trilogy? Uh, vaguely, vaguely. Mm -hmm. Anyway, a lot of that was based on Discordianism. A lot of the uh, characters in the uh, the Illuminatus uh, trilogy. So you have this kind of counterculture history uh, going on in the Discordians uh, over the years. Uh, there's a lot of different artists and writers involved, and uh, they had kind of a network. It, one of the things they did was called Operation Mindfuck, and it happened during the uh, Garrison investigation, where they started sending spoof letters to different people, one of one of whom was Garrison, because at one point during the Garrison investigation, Garrison had all these different investigators uh, tossing information at him, and one of these uh, you know freelance investigators was like belonged to the John Birch Society and uh, believed that the Illuminati was behind the JFK assassination. When Kerry Thornley and his cohorts heard that, they uh, came up with a fake letter letterhead uh, claiming to be the Bavarian Illuminati, and they all adopted Illuminati names and started sending all these prank letters. Um, and a lot of this... Uh, stuff got covered in the Illuminatus trilogy as well for people who are into this type of stuff. But So you asked, what's story of Discordia? So when I started working on The Prankster and the Conspiracy, I met up with a guy named Bob Newport, who was friends with Thornley and Hill back in the day, and he ended up having what was called the Discordian Archives, which belonged to Greg Hill. Greg Hill died in 2000. And those archives are have a lot of wonderful stuff in them, and that's material that ended up in the book Historia Discordia, and I also have a uh, website as well called Historia Discordia for people who are into, you know, Discordianism and a lot of the uh, strange material, that uh, strange and humorous material that came out of the Discordian Society. If you look on the uh, web now and look for Discordians, there's... Uh, Thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of them, uh, spread uh, around the world, and most of them can't agree on anything. And in regards to an Illuminati, is 
is there, in your opinion, is there actually an Illuminati out there, or is this just hearsay and rumors? Uh, somebody who looked deeply into that was Robert Anton Wilson, who wrote the Illuminatus trilogy and uh, dug deeply into the Illuminati over the years to find out if there was any truth in it. At the end of the day, he wasn't, uh, he hadn't. Uh, entirely made up his mind one way or another, but uh, you know, basically what the Illuminati was uh, started was just an informal group uh, at uh, by Adam Weishaupt at uh, Ingolstadt University. Uh, Weishaupt was a uh, reformed Jesuit and uh, it was basically a group, this was during the Enlightenment, who were uh, basically pushing for, you know, separation of church and state and pushing democratic ideas and, uh, you know, women's rights, these type of uh, things that were kind of underground, you know, uh, but they had informal meetings of their group. And eventually, uh, Weishaupt, got pushed out, and he fled the uh, country. He was seen as a radical, you know, and this was, a lot of this stuff was going on around the uh, French Revolution. So, you know, people later uh, claimed that the, the Illuminati was behind the French Revolution and all these other revolutionary things going on during the period. There's not much evidence, but, you know, these myths later got uh, wrapped around uh the uh you know characters like Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin that they were uh part of the Illuminati and these uh the mythology kind of grew over the years and uh I talked about the John Birch Society <clears throat> before they were uh, kind of an anti-communist group that started back in the 50s and 60s you've probably heard of them they were one of the uh, groups that were pushing the uh Illuminati mythology that the, the the secret Illuminati was behind the communist and all of this, basically trying to uh, undermine the uh, world with these uh, radical ideas. And you, see, you saw a lot of this going on during the uh, 60s with the anti-war movement and whatever. They were claiming that the uh, communists had... Uh, actually behind the anti-war movement and on and on and on and uh, the uh, Illuminatus, the Illuminati were seen as Jewish bankers you might have heard a lot of that's how a lot of that started and you still see this mythology going on today that uh, globalists you know <laughs> is another word for the Illuminati or the New World Order and somebody like George Soros uh there's a parallel there. He's he's your modern day evil Jewish banker that's behind all of this uh, stuff. In other words, not you know the Illuminati is just a mythology. You've seen uh, like in music video and over the years a lot of these Illuminati symbols, and these type of things people go ape shit over. But uh, yeah, it's really hard to tell sometimes if. What I'm looking at is people trying to get attention, be trendy, be cool, whatever, or if this is indeed some kind of some kind of message, hey, we're out here somewhere. 
I don't put much <laughs> stock in that. They just, you know, they've understood that people are looking for this stuff now, so let's uh, give them what they want or kind of uh, toy around with them by, you know, inserting all this imagery and stuff. So, yeah, I'm skeptical, having looked into <laughs> this stuff for many, many years. Yeah, I... I... The, the, the Illuminati is basically a catch-all for whatever people see as the uh the evil controllers whether they whether they're the modern day globalists or the new world order or corporations military industrial complex it, it's, yeah. a, it's a catch all whoever the uh your uh, globalist boogeyman might be and the, it's it's a always moving target because one day Oh, it's the Jews. The next day, oh, it's the Vatican. Mm-hmm. The next day, it's it's somebody else. It's the Freemasons. It's whoever. There's so many different groups getting blamed, and I, I'm not sure if really any of them are are what we would think of as an actual Illuminati, like you talked about earlier, Adam White, yeah. the Bavarian Illuminati. Now, you know, there are conspiracies that go on with different uh, groups, but, you know, the theory that makes the most sense to me, and this, it kind of got in to this in the Illuminatus trilogy and also a book called uh, Mumbo Jumbo. I forget the author's name, but it's really a whole bunch of different con- uh, competing conspiracies throughout uh, histories, different <laughs> works, different groups uh, conspiring against one another. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, re- randomness and chaos behind the whole thing to think that uh, there's one single group that are pulling all the uh, strings of the world and making everything uh, happen, you know, seems a bit far-fetched. Now, what is, who was James Shelby and what was his mystical war? James Shelby Downard. Well, he's another one who bought into a lot of the Illuminati uh, stuff. Interesting uh, character. Uh, uh, he first came to attention of a lot of people, uh, you know, into c- conspiracies and whatnot in the uh, late 70s or so when uh, he and a guy named Michael Hoff- Hoffman authored a book called King Kill 33. You might have heard that uh, theory before that the uh, Kennedy assassination was basically a Freemasonic uh, ritual and that it was conducted on the uh, 33rd degree latitude and they also talked about uh, the magic of different uh, names involved in these ritual murders and once again the 33rd third latitude where a bunch of stuff happened like the uh, atomic bomb tests happened on the 33 degree latitude the Roswell crash happened on the 33rd degree the Disneyland is on the uh, 33rd degree Uh, a lot of weird stuff happened supposedly on those latitude lines and so yeah their theory with this King Kill 33 thing was that, yeah, it was uh, all done on uh, 
as part of this uh, Freemasonic uh, ritual called the Killing of the King, conducted on the 33rd degree of latitude, 33 being the highest degree in uh, Freemasonry. So kind of a uh, far-out idea, theory, but it uh, seemed to resonate with a uh, lot of people, and so the mythology around uh, James Shelby Downard kind of grew over the years, and people weren't really sure if he was a made-up uh, character, if he actually existed. That's kind of the reason why I wrote that uh, book. It's a slim book of material, but uh, he indeed existed. He was a colorful uh, character. He uh, many years uh, drove around the uh, country with his uh, Airstream uh, trailer, uh, battling with Freemasons and looking for secret underground uh, caverns. He was very much into the Fortiana and these type of things. And uh, Downard, uh, eventually, uh, he died in the late uh, 90s. So that, that book's kind of about his different theories and uh, little biographical information as well. He seemed to really, really think something was there with these Freemasons. Well, if you look uh, hard enough for anything and start connecting the dots, you'll find <laughs> dots to connect. A good example of that, uh, I wrote a piece years ago uh, on uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut and connections to uh, possible connections to monarch mind control programming. Um and uh, still a lot of people uh, quote that article and uh, a lot of people use the information I'm told for like uh, even YouTube videos these days. But what I, you know, I was pretty well versed. Uh, I guess that movie came out in the late 90s. I forget now. I was pretty well versed in a lot of the lore behind uh, the Monarch Mind Control program, supposed program, the history of MK Ultra, And when I watched that movie, I started seeing a lot of little um, hints that uh, that's what the film was about, was uh, mind, Monarch Mind Control. And they, they used different things in that film, like there's a lot of uh, Alice in Wonderland imagery and these type of things, which all relate to... Uh, what was coming out uh, in the 90s with these stories about monarch mind control program. It's been years since I wrote that article, but I found a number of things in the film, and that was something that really, uh, like I said, resonated with uh, people. Now, whether uh, Kubrick was <laughs> believed in monarch mind control programming or, or if he was just uh, inserting a lot of that material to see if people would pick up on it, I'm not uh, sure. But you know, it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of a mental exercise if you uh, uh, come to a conclusion that yeah, the uh, there was the uh, uh, Freemasonic ritual behind JFK's assassination on the 33rd degree, then you'll start looking for things that will confirm that <laughs> if you're going to write a story about it, you know. It's called confirmation bias. Yeah, that that does seem to be something that that I run into a lot in this this world of conspiracies and not to say that it's it's all fake or or even most right. fake, but yeah, that does I do run into that a lot. 
Yeah. Now, speaking of Monarch programming and, and mind control and things like that, a lot of people out there, they think that a lot of these pop stars like Britney Spears, Katy Perry, uh, well, so many of them, I can't even name them all, Kesha, so many are are Monarch mind-controlled slaves. How do you feel about that? Are are they? Uh, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't say definitively for sure. I don't know definitively, but... Uh, I'm dubious. I mean, yeah, they started the whole thing that uh, all these kids who worked on uh, came out of uh, Disney were th- these monarch uh, mind control uh, slaves, such as uh, what Brittany and and uh, the hell's her name. Uh, Miley Cyrus, but... Oh, yeah, that's one of the biggest ones right there, Miley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All that weird pedo sort of imagery, it's it's a little (laughs) disturbing, but hey, maybe that's... Well, yeah, it is, uh, you know, definitely trying to uh, get people's attentions, that's for sure. I mean, whether there's some smoking gun that they were uh, victims of mind control, we we don't know that uh, for sure, you know, I guess it's... uh, possible but I don't uh, stay up at night worrying about it too much (laughs) how about well this is probably the biggest conspiracy that's that's gone on since the JFK assassination how do you feel about the 9-11 conspiracy theories Um, I never really got into that uh, too much you know um Really can't speak on it. Uh, other than uh, you know, uh, there was the uh, Noam Chomsky. You know who he is. Uh, you probably heard the name. yeah, heard the name, heard the name. He's a political observer analyst. He's uh, against uh, speaks out against fascism and whatever guys it comes in, and he got a lot of flack because. Uh, you can see some uh, videos on YouTube where people asked him about 9-11, and he kind of uh, poo-pooed it, and all of a sudden, well, he's in on the conspiracy as well. But what he, what his argument was, you know, uh, people are coming up with all these uh, different theories about uh, 9-11, controlled demolition, and all kinds of uh, stuff. And he said, well, you know, if you you're throwing these theories at me, but uh, I don't have the time or where for all to uh, look at them. What what you should do is uh, basically do a peer review, you know, to actual (laughs) physicists and uh, architects and uh, scientists to put your uh, views across. I've never really seen that done to prove any of these... uh, you know, theories about controlled demolition or these type of things. You, you probably have the idea that I'm a, a conspiracy theorist, and I have been called that over the years, but, I, you know, at this point in my life, I'm skeptical about a lot of this stuff, having looked at it for years and years and years. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way a little bit, because I've I've been doing this show for four and a half years now, and there was a point when I believed almost anything that mm-hmm. anybody told me, but, uh, you know, after being in it for a while and, and going over the same things over and over again, you 
uh, you maybe get get kind of sick of it a little bit. You want to see more proof. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say I've been following the whole Trump-Russia thing, and there's a lot <laughs> There's a lot there. You just read my mind, because my next mm-hmm. question was, what do you think about Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's an asshole, but uh, beyond that, uh, it appears that, yeah, he's in uh, deep doo-doo with a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of stuff uh, related to the uh, election, you know, uh, the possibility of uh, collaborating with the Russians, but also, you know, they're with these investigations, they're digging into his whole uh, business dealings going back decades now because it, it, it reaches back decades with his involvement with uh, – different Russians uh, buying property from him and, you know, involved in uh, a lot of different uh, stuff. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I could go on and on about the uh, these investigations, but uh, I don't know if you want to go there. What are your theories on why is it that the American people elected Donald Trump? What What was it that they needed where they would vote for him? Yeah, part of it, he did uh, speak to, um, you know, a lot of people in middle America that are unemployed and feel like they've been getting fucked around and, you know, that buy into a lot of the uh, stuff, you know, where it's, uh, we're, we're, uh, selling our people of our country down the road and giving better deals with all these uh, global trade deals, uh, whatever it is, NAFTA or whatever. There's there's part of it that, uh, you know, people in middle America have been forgotten and uh, they just want to get returned back to the good old days when America was uh, uh, great again and that, you know, uh, you know, there's also that undercurrent of the uh, kind of racist thing going there, going on there as well. That uh, of with entitlements and you know those type of issues. So, so he spoke to uh, <laughs> those people, I guess. But you know, that was part of it. He did. Uh, find his core group that think he's great, but, you know, there's also a lot of uh, manipulation going on with the election with uh, the Russian interference and fucking around with uh, social media and targeting, and a lot of that, I think, will really come out over time, and, you know, you talk about conspiracy theories, or there's a lot of conspiracy theories injected into the... Uh, Election with Pizzagate and uh, Seth Rich murders. These were all injected <laughs> into the election at uh, critical times. And I think that there was uh, really uh, it might have turned the tide, you know, with the election. I guess we'll never really know for sure, but I think we'll find out uh, more in years to come about. Uh, how really uh, deeply the uh, Russians were involved in also working with Trump's campaign to uh, 
do all do all of these things and if they even got as far as uh, actually tampering votes, who knows? Does he have a chance of being reelected? <laughs> no, he's not. He's. I can't see him making it uh, through his his term here. Adam, were you growing up? Were you raised with any sort of religious upbringing, and do you believe in a god? Um, not really, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, not really raised with any religious upbringing, uh, getting back to, uh, LSD, <laughs> on, uh, one of my early trips, I felt I was, the universe was one, and that we were all part of one greater whole, and I felt that was God, that that I connected with whatever that force is the uh, but yeah god's name for it the unit the, the universal life force or whatever i think there's an energy running uh, through all things that you can tap in for either good or ill you know to uh use that energy and it runs through the earth and all things and all this doesn't mean that there's necessarily an afterlife, but uh, so you asked me if I believe in God. I believe, uh, hmm. I don't either, uh, you know, believe or disbelieve. I guess uh, kind of agnostic. Uh, yeah, but once again, uh, there's you know the religion called pantheism, which uh, it's kind of. If anything, I'm a pantheist, and that's kind of the Native American religion that the Earth Mother <laughs> is the god that you know the uh, the energy of Earth is uh, you know, what we should follow up follow a path of heart like uh, Castaneda talked about in the Don Juan books. So yeah, I, I mean uh, uh, I can't buy into the. Uh, patriarchal uh you know male god that uh, that's why that's why I'm interested in discordianism it, we had a crazy woman uh, as god uh, seemed to make more sense but uh anyway I don't think I answered your question uh <laughs> there it is it, in regards to the psychedelic experience in your opinion should everybody have a psychedelic experience at least once in their life? Maybe not. Maybe some people aren't should never do that because they're on the it'll push them over the edge if they're predisposed, you know, in their family with psychotic disorders and that type of uh, stuff. Back in the day uh, when you know the late sixties when. Uh, uh, Le Timothy Leary was going around uh, promoting drugs. He uh, or promoting LSD use. He appeared before a. Uh, I think it was Robert Kennedy's. There was a subcommittee. They were looking on LSD, and what he talked about was uh, it's kind of like a driver's license <laughs> that it was administered, and you took tests, and you know they did some psychological analysis of people and prepared them if they're going to go on an LSD trip. Another way of looking at that is uh, 
the uh, shamans who uh, assist people in ayahuasca or those different type of rituals. That there's a process you go through and you prepare yourself and and you're ready for you know approaching it sort of like a, a vision quest. So I think you know to do it properly. Uh, yeah, we need to prepare ourselves and uh, also uh, there's some segments. Society, some people who should never do it because they're, you know, predisposed. But I think uh, it is a val- very valuable experience. It has been for me. A lot of mine back when I was a kid was uh, pretty haphazard, but it, you know, kind of worked out. At uh, my crazy uh, psychedelic UFO experience, definitely uh, changed my life and kind of propelled me on the path that I'm on have been on, you know, since that time, you know, being interested in a lot of these different things, questioning uh, consensus reality and interest in paranormal and UFOs and conspiracy theories, these type of things. I think that I can all, I can point back to the uh, psychedelic experience that was partially, you know, responsible for my life's course. One thing that does, that's bothered me for quite a long time is this whole I'm sure you've seen the footage the whole Bohemian Grove thing where these guys mm-hmm. are yeah they're in some <laughs> park or natural reserve or whatever that place yeah. is and they're doing all kinds of strange things are, are the world's elite engaged in some kind of black magic ceremony? Well Alex Jones thinks so he snuck in, snuck in there um no, it's just a bunch of grown uh, men, and they are political elites uh, going away for a weekend. It happens on the uh, Russian River in California here. It's uh, north of uh, San Francisco. And that's been going on since they call it the Bohemian Grove because it was started by a bunch of Bohemian artists back in the day. And they do this big uh, ritual with an owl, you know, and they, what do they call that? They set, the sacrifice is uh, like the sacrifice of human worry and our problems and all of that. That's what the effigy they burn in that uh, ritual. I forget what the what the exact wording they use. It's It seems pretty bizarre and whatever, and you hear all these uh, crazy stories about uh, Bohemian Grove. I guess we'd have to uh, sneak in there to find out. There's, uh, have you read any John Ronson? No. Oh, God, you should read uh, John Ronson. Uh, tried to get him as a guest. Uh, he uh, recently wrote a book called The Elephant in the Room that had to do with the uh, alt-right and, you know, the uh, rise of Trump and the election. But that's a separate thing. But back in the day, back in the day being... Uh, late 90s, 2000, uh, John Ronson snuck into Bohemian Grove with Alex Jones. <laughs> oh, that was and him, ended, okay. And ended up writing about that in a book called, uh, I think it's called Them. Ronson was looking at different ext- extremist groups and uh, whatnot. And he's been interviewed a lot of places. He was recently on uh, Joe Rogan, but... Uh, <clears throat> Anyway, they 
uh, Rodson and Alex Jones had totally different uh, perceptions <laughs> of what went on in Bohemian Grove because, uh, well, it seems, you know, Alex Jones wanted to find stuff uh, there that, once again, uh, reinforced his confirmation bias. And well, maybe you can say that about John Rodson because he didn't see anything that he thought was particularly alarming. Jones... Uh, produced a film of it. He snuck a camera in there, and um, I forget, it's called Secret Rituals of Bohemian Grove or something with a shaky camera, and you see them going through the uh, ritual where they're uh, burning an effigy. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's a long-standing tradition. You know, it started with the Bohemian artists. That was, You can find some old photos. It's in the uh, Redwoods there, and as time progressed over the years, you know, they invited journalists and writers and politicians. And over time, it evolved to, you know, a lot of these uh, high-level politicians go in there. You know, the Kissingers of the world, the uh, ex-presidents uh, are part of the people who uh, show up for that weekend of Bohemian Grove. And, yeah, part of it is this uh, weird... Uh, <laughs> Ritual. And, and a, lot of, a lot of it's uh, drinking and pissing on the redwood trees and uh, who knows what all else. And in regards to Alex Jones, he's he's really quite the character, but what do you feel is really going on with him? Is he just completely nuts? Is he an agent? Is he just trying to make money? I think he got co-opted along the way when he first started years ago uh, was after uh, I first became aware of him after the the whole Waco thing went down and he helped raise money to rebuild the uh, church at uh, you know the Koresh's bunch and I think he was pretty sincere at that point he's not, he's not a dumb dude either he's he's pretty smart but uh nowadays uh, yeah I think most recently, he's been, I say co-opted. Uh, it's either for the money or who knows. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, well, I suspect that, uh, once again, a, a few of these uh, outlets, like, outlets like Alex Jones or Jeff Rents, uh, who knows how deeply they might have... Uh, been co-opted by certain forces. Let's just leave it at that. So in, in that regard, are there disinformation agents out there trying to trying to alter our perceptions of things? Well, cer certainly, you know. Um, disinformation comes from a uh, Russian word, and you've Seeing, I'm working on a, I have been for about 10 years now, and I'm almost done, a book on UFO dis, dis, disinformation, and that was something that definitely went on within ufology back in the, uh, you know, going back to the uh, late 70s and 80s, there was a lot of disinformation going on for perhaps a lot of reasons, partly to... Uh, muddy the waters to conceal, you know, the 
testing of actual secret uh, earthly craft as opposed to uh, alien craft and and uh, so yeah and uh, with I think there's definitely a disinformation campaign going on with you know a lot of these stories that emerged during the election you know and this was more like uh, oh you know political disinformation you saw it a lot with around the uh, Trump campaign for instance, the thing that Ted Cruz's father was involved in the uh, Kennedy assassination somehow, if you recall that whole thing, that happened around the you know the same time of the Republican primaries that uh, Ted Cruz was really the uh, biggest challenger to uh, Donald Trump. And a lot of this information w- went through like Roger Stone, who's a longtime Trump buddy and Alex Jones pumped it out, but also the National Enquirer is really, if you, you want to find uh, political propaganda, I guess is a better way of terming it or disinformation. I think National Enquirer is kind of the uh, disinformation arm of the uh, Trump these days. Yeah, that's it's so strange how... Alex Jones was this big conspiracy guy, and during the last election, all he could talk about was Donald Trump and getting Donald Trump in the presidency. It it was really odd. Well, he put a lot of stock in Trump, too, that, uh, you know, Trump was the guy who was the truth, the truth teller that he was going to, he was anti-globalist, he was whatever this and that, you know, so... Uh, Alex Jones made a big investment uh, in uh, Donald Trump's, and uh, I don't see him uh, backing off from that. Uh, there's been no sign of it, <laughs> even the, though it seems, you know, Trump's doing all this crazy uh, shit that uh, Alex Jones uh, justifies it in any criticism of uh, Trump, you know, anybody in whoever from whatever side of the political spectrum that uh, goes against Trump, you know, they're seen as whatever. The Illuminati, the globalist conspiracy. And we know that you've at least experimented with certain psychedelics when you're young, or at least LSD, but how do you feel about the use of pot or cannabis? Well, I think it's fine, you know. It's a good money maker too. <laughs> it's becoming more legal in other states, and I don't even smoke uh, pot these days. But I see no problem with it. So, in your opinion, should things like cannabis and LSD and mushrooms and psychedelic drugs should they be legal? Oh. Um. You just threw a whole list of stuff there. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to look at each one separately. I think uh, marijuana should be, you know, similar to uh, like alcohol. You need to be a certain age, and <laughs> uh, you probably shouldn't be operating uh, heavy equipment or 
<laughs> those type of things, you know. I mean, it's, it gets into a lot of the regulations and laws that uh, arise out of this uh, stuff. Um, yeah, I think psychedelics should be uh, legal. And being legal, you know, that might... Uh, one problem that uh, solves is that, you know, you're getting uh, good stuff that's not tainted with God knows, you know, you can determine you're actually getting uh, actual LSD or ecstasy and it's not some, you know, uh, something that's going to kill you. So, you know, there'd be some control there. Uh, it's, you know, it's an education uh, thing, too. And, uh, I mean, that's a problem, people being educated about uh, things. I think, basically, I'm kind of a libertarian in spirit, so I don't like to, uh, you know, have all these different laws telling us what we can or can't do with our own uh, bodies or brains. But it, you know, I, I see the problems problems there too with uh, making all these uh, things legal as well. You know, it's a, a slippery slope. And earlier you talked a little bit about the possibility of aliens and UFOs and and perhaps some sort of co-creative phenomena. Mm-hmm. That, that's super interesting. Well, are there aliens out there, or or maybe are there aliens in another dimension that's right next to ours, or is there something going on here that is just so alien we can't even grasp what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> uh, perhaps. Uh a good book that kind of looked into uh, aliens on Earth <laughs> that, it, that you know that's they're not necessarily from uh, other planets that there's been entities and spirits or whatever since time immemorial. Different books have looked at that, like uh, Jacques Vallée, his book Passport to Magonia. There was a guy named. Uh, Matt Tony's wrote an interesting book called The Crypto-Terrestrials, that uh, basically this is a uh, phenomenon. Uh, these entities exist on Earth. Maybe they're, they live within the Earth, or there's, uh, you know, these, uh, they're extra-dimensional. It's like when we uh, I talked about the acid trip where we saw the UFOs or something, that experience is akin, you know, that altered state is like what psychics see. Uh, they're able to tune in to different wavelengths and uh, frequencies to be able to look beyond the veil to see what normally isn't uh, there. You know, sometimes uh, drugs might allow you to do that, meditation, to tune in and open up these uh Doorways or these window areas where we can observe these uh, entities, whatever they might be. They might be part of us. It might be collective unconsciousness that we're attached to whatever this is, that perhaps in some way we're co-creating it, projecting it. I mean, you see that in the history of uh, UFOs, how they evolved over the years uh, to basically what, the popular conception of an alien was back in the 50s, what they were seeing was, were these long-haired, blonde, uh, or these long, uh, uh, kind of uh, long, blonde-haired uh, 
human-looking uh, people coming from Venus or Mars, as time progressed and we found out, well, it's probably not too probable they're coming from Venus and Mars. They must be from, you know, farther out in the galaxy. And so our conception of the entities changed. But uh, that seems like a process that's been going on on a long time, and I was talking about Passport to Magonia, uh, Jacques Vallée saw parallels be- with the uh, fairy folk of uh, Celtic mythology, or even going back to the uh, Bible, they you know, talked about these different entities that seemed to come out of the uh, heavens and were sometimes uh, riding... Uh, chariots of some sort. So this, you know, this has been a phenomenon that's been with us here on Earth for a long, long time. And, uh, you you know, what I'm talking about here are some possible explanations, which is not to discount, you know, the possibilities that actual ETs have visited the planet. I'm sure you've heard of... Uh, not Alex Jones, but David Icke and his whole mm-hmm. reptilian thing. Is that yeah. is that really uh, just too insane, or is there any possibility that that could be true? Well, yeah, I think it's kind of crazy, but it might be to him a valid experience that, uh, you know, we, we talk about human perception and uh, altering your consciousness or seeing things in a different way, you know. Perhaps Alex Jones and other people were picking up on some presence in human beings that he felt was evil, you know, and uh, for you know for some reason they, at least uh, for a fleeting glance or for a period of time, appeared as reptilians to him. <laughs> Who knows? I'm not, you know. I think that was his ex- his own experience. Uh, whether that's a reality for all of us is, a, you know, a different question. But uh, a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, he talks about, I don't really buy into it, you know. But that doesn't mean it isn't a real experience to him. And how that, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, no, that that makes perfect sense because it you know it, it falls back into maybe we are in some kind of co-creative situation. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and if you look for this stuff too, I mean, you'll find it. There was like a craze for a while. I don't know if people are still doing this, but uh, posting all these YouTube videos, uh, they see something on TV where somebody's eyes looked weird or something, whether it was Hillary Clinton or George Bush, you know, and it's it might have been a camera effect or <laughs> whatever the hell it was or some artifact, you know, through the video. And those became kind of memes, you know, oh, more uh, shape-shifting reptilians. And Adam, how do you feel about how quickly things seem to change. I mean, a lot of the stuff you talk about, it happened in the 60s and 70s, and I was born in the 80s, and I remember watching shows like Full House, and I could never imagine when I was a kid that we would ever be uh, fighting and and talking about things like transgendered bathrooms. Uh, Mm -hmm. Has the world changed for you as much as it's changed for me? Does it go a little too quickly sometimes? How do you feel about that? 
Well, um, I mean, there's been transgender people <laughs> for a long time. That's not anything new. It just gets politicized. But yeah, with uh, during my lifetime, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, change to the uh, internet. Certainly, you know, uh, God, it's uh, prior to the internet. You know, I started writing with a, a typewriter. And when uh, we look in here, the late 80s or so, you know, computers were starting to become the thing. And I couldn't imagine I was so comfortable with a typewriter. Ah, no way. I'm not getting involved with that computer stuff. As uh, soon as I did and started uh, writing on a computer, it was like a revelation to me. You know, it made uh, my life so much easier and uh, I could be so much more productive, you know. And and then with, with the Internet itself, how we'd become a global uh, community. I mean, what anything like uh, GP, GPS now, driving anywhere, who, <laughs> who actually looks at a physical map anymore. Oh, I, I remember lost, using lost those Thomas Guide things. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, you have them, but I carry one Thomas Guide with me, but I never end up using it. And speaking of writing and writing habits, what sort of advice do you have for people out there that might be interested in writing and becoming a writer? Uh, I need to write a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a uh, simple answer. Um, if you really want to do it, you need to uh, do it every day. That doesn't mean if you're going on a trip or whatever, you need to, that's up to you, but Try to sit down and you know just uh, write every day. That, that's what I tell some people. If you you know you're working on a uh, book and it's like one of those days, oh, I just can't get into it. You know, fire up, uh, open up the document, and maybe just do a word check or do some little editing, and then you might get on a roll or something. But it's it's a process of. Uh, Staying at it, you know, doing it every day, whether it's an hour or several hours, you know, because uh, you're not always, it, it. sometimes it comes real fast and smooth. Other times it's a uh, kind of a battle to get the right wording and these type of things, but it's all a process. So, you, just, you know, it's something you just need to uh, stick with. That's good advice. Is it true that there have been some really mysterious deaths in Disneyland? Ah, you're looking at some of my old articles. God, I wrote that in about 1991, so uh, <laughs> go to my website and uh, check that out. Yeah, there have there have been a lot of odd stuff. You get, uh, I don't know if I remember all of those I quoted in my article, but yeah, on the uh, website, there's a piece called The Disneyland Dead, and this was back in the uh, 90s I started hearing this stuff. I had a friend who worked at uh, Disneyland. He uh, was a conductor on the monorail, of all things. 
he started telling me these uh, stories of these different uh, deaths in Disneyland that kind of got covered up. There was like, uh, oh, there was there was a series of them. One was they had a ride called the uh, People Mover, where uh, one of the people who worked at uh, Disneyland got uh, caught between the two uh, People Movers, and she was squished, and they called her, you know, she died, and they, so they called her the Squish Girl, and uh, apparently she haunted uh, whatever that ride was uh, <laughs> at that time. There, there was a whole series of them that kind of got uh, covered up over the years just because, you know, Disneyland wanted to give that vibe that, you know, everything was all... Uh, you know, a fun time there. Nothing bad was going to happen to you. But, uh, yeah, there has been a whole series of uh, death, deaths there over the years. I don't know about recent years. I wrote that in, like, the 90s, and I talked about half a dozen. There's been a few since then as well. They Once again, they try to keep it under wraps anytime there's, you know, something goes on at Disneyland, whether it's deaths or... Uh, there's also been, oh, this going back a couple decades now, there was some gang violence that <laughs> broke out at Disneyland on a couple of occasions, probably back in the 1990s, and uh, eventually they cracked down on it. And you can't get into Disneyland nowadays if you're flying any colors, you know. Oh, I, I imagine. It, it. It's kind of a, I, I hear all kinds of, things about Disneyland, like they have this army of cats that lives uh, in the basement and they come out at night and kill off all the rodents. And it's, it's really kind yeah. of a funny thing. It's a whole yeah, there's, subculture. There's, there's a funny story. Uh, a couple of friends told me they went to Disneyland. This was back in the uh, late 70s, 80s. We were all stoners and they went there. And so they were out in the parking lot smoking, smoking a duber. And uh, they had some cops that ran around on these, drove around on these mopeds. So the mopeds were lower to the ground, so you couldn't see them coming. But so anyway, this uh, cop on the moped busted them for uh, smoking pot. So uh, took my two friends into uh, an underground area in Disneyland. Actually, the guy on the moped passed my friends over to some Keystone cops. You'll see Keystone cops at Disneyland. Those are <laughs> those are actual cops. At least they were in the seventies. And then they took them in, down into the uh, bowels of uh, Disneyland, where they actually have a jail underneath there. You know, when they arrest people and they interrogated my friends for a couple hours and figured they were harmless and let them go. Well, that was it. Could have gone a lot worse, I imagine. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And but <laughs> go ahead. Oh, that, yeah, this a lot of stuff that goes on Disneyland. There's the uh, famous Club 33. Have you heard of that? No. Um, it's private membership, and you know you, you can't get in there unless you know somebody or you're somebody who's been admitted to the club. And a lot of people claim, yeah, it's a secret. Freemasonic club, and that uh, Walt Disney was a, a closet Freemason, and all this stuff. So there's a lot of mystery behind Club 33 too. It's the only place in Disneyland 
at least uh, in recent years where you can get alcohol. I don't. I still think yeah, you can't get alcohol in Disneyland except for in Club Thirty Three. And Adam, are you are you a TV guy? Are you following any of these popular TV shows like a, a Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or anything like that? Love Breaking Bad. Yeah, that's a great one. Are you watching the spinoff uh, Better Call Saul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty damn good too. Is that I currently your favorite? I, um. Well, I love Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. I've heard good things Twin about that Peaks. one. Oh yeah, that's great. They're doing some wild stuff. Uh Breaking Bad, Twin Peaks, uh there's a few things there. I thought uh, House of Cards was good uh till this year they kind of sucked. They had one episode where they went to a, a pseudo uh, Bohemian Grove. That was kind of interesting one of the episodes. So yeah, there's a few of these uh series I like. Uh how about movies? Have you have you has there been anything in recent years that has caught your attention or, or anything that you like? I'm kind of more into the older movies, but do you like any of the newer ones? I don't keep up on. Uh, I don't really see uh, the recent movies when they're released. You know, I'll catch them a few years down the road. So, God, I can't think of uh, any anything in recent times that. Uh, like I said, I don't uh, stay up. Eating, you know, if it's a Tarantino movie or something, I'll catch it. But oh, you like yeah. Tarantino? Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorites. Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill and quite a few others. Yeah, so many classics. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, Adam, we are approaching the end of the interview, but I want to go ahead and just open things up and give you an opportunity to, if you'd like to, go ahead and get on the soapbox one last time and just say whatever you would like to say to my audience, and feel free to also follow that up with anything at all that you would like to promote or plug. Well, I'm, I have, I'm on no soapbox, but, uh, you know, if people want to uh, check out different websites and stuff, I actually have a uh, podcast I've started here recently. Oh, wow called Radio Go-Go, and uh, uh, part of it, the idea of doing it, I have a bunch of old, obscure kind of uh, different audio files and stuff if I wanted to share with folks and add some commentary, but also there's different interviews, and I, I just put out this podcast every now and then. But you can find it's on SoundCloud and YouTube. So there's that. There's uh, AdamGoRightly.com. I have my Historia Discordia site. There's a blog uh, called uh, Untamed Dimensions, which was named after another podcast I did about 10 years ago. And you can find those. Uh, there's a web page for that, too, if you look. Uh, for uh, Adam Go Rightly and Untamed Dimensions, uh, I would peddle uh, my latest uh, book, but I have nothing out quite yet. So, uh, yeah, that's basically it. And I'm sorry, what was the the next book that you're going to release again? Uh, the ne- what I'm working on now with uh, friend Greg Bishop is a book on the UFO. Uh, 
contactees, the early contactees, uh, kind of a who's who of that uh, period, coffee table book with a lot of uh, cool photos in it. So that will be next. Uh, I have a few books lined up, but uh, hopefully that'll be out before the year's end. Sweet. I'm going to have to use my Amazon Prime membership and take advantage. Hey, you do that. <laughs> All right, Adam. I, I had a great time tonight. I learned quite a bit. Uh, I would definitely like to do this again sometime down the road, maybe after you've uh, released your next book or something like that. Okay, yeah, I'll let you know when that's out. We'll stay in touch. Okay, awesome. And until then, you have an awesome night. Okay. Thanks, Daniel. No problem. You have a good night, Adam. Bye. See ya. And there you have it. That was Adam Go Rightly. What a nice guy, right? So much to talk about with him, too. I, I'm definitely going to pick up the uh, Historia Discordia book first. That one has really caught my attention. Also, the uh, what's this guy's name? James Shelby? What's going on there? Holy crap, that sounds like an interesting story. Highly advise everybody to do what I'm doing and check out this guy's work. And I don't know who's who's been calling... I'm somebody's like they're acting like uh like they're I don't know what they're doing they keep trying to call I, I don't know if it's the person that called earlier with the unicorn question or what but somebody keeps trying to call and I'm I'm not sure what exactly you want are you trying to prank the show are you did you really have a question if you would like to call in once I come back from break and identify yourself and explain what exactly you're doing, then you can go ahead and do that. Remember that call-in number is is uh, 209-348-9810 or just add NinjaShoe777 on Skype. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and join me back here. We have a lot to talk about and a lot to get into. So I'll see you in, what, 10 minutes? And welcome back to End of Days Radio. I am your host, Daniel, broadcasting to you all the way from the shimmering Emerald City right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. How are you? Are you good? I'm glad. So, earlier, during the beginning of the interview, there was a particular gentleman that called in, and I'm not sure if he was trying to prank the show or what, but he had a very odd question about unicorns, and after he called in, a different number kept calling in, and I was a little bit hesitant to answer because I was thinking, hey, this might be another prank call or something like that, so I did not pick up, but I'm curious, what is what was going on there? Is that somebody that is trying to prank the show or do they have a real question um is there something they'd like to ask me or talk to me I, by all means go ahead and call in go ahead and do it right now call in and we can talk about alien horses <laughs> or, or whatever it is that is on your mind and you would like to talk about so go ahead do it go ahead and call in and while i'm waiting if you do decide i will Go ahead and talk about some other things. So first thing I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the news for today. There is one particular thing in the news that has caught my attention. 
it appears that they're actually going to be making a new Karate Kid show. And this might be old news to you at this point, but it's still important and I should still talk about it because I love the Karate Kid. That was definitely one of my favorite movies growing up, as it probably was yours. I watched Karate Kid 1, I watched Karate Kid 2, I watched Karate Kid 3, I watched Karate Kid 4. I did not watch... Or I'm not, sorry, there was no Karate Kid 4. It's called The Next Karate Kid. I never watched the new one with with the uh, Will Smith son, the boy, Jaden Pinkett Smith or whatever his name is. I never watched that because I was really racially insulted. I am actually uh, quarter Asian. I'm part Japanese. And I was really offended that they were calling a movie about Kung Fu the Karate Kid. I, I just... To me, that feels like, you know, sometimes people can be a little insensitive and they'll say, like, oh, I don't know what race that person is, if they're Chinese, Japanese, or whatever, or they all look the same, or things like that. A lot of people, they don't care if you're if you're Guamanian or Vietnamese or <laughs> Korean or whatever. They just kind of lump all Asians together and call them Chinese. So it kind of reminded me of that sort of thing. So I was really unimpressed. I was really unimpressed with the way that they're presenting that movie. It's my understanding in China they actually called the movie The Kung Fu Kid. And I'm wondering why they did not do that here. Why would they why would they do something so dumb and racially insensitive and call Kung Fu karate? Now, it, it karate kind of is kung fu. Not that you guys care about this at all, but actually Karate was invented because there was a Chinese guy that came to, I don't know where it was, it was Japan or Okinawa, and he was practicing Kung Fu, and somebody saw him, or maybe it was the guy that was doing it that did this, I don't know, but he saw the guy doing Kung Fu, and he came up with a, uh, came up with a martial art called Karate, which actually meant the Chinese fist. So karate is indeed from China, but it's not a Chinese martial art at this point. It's a you know an Okinawan Japanese martial art. So the way that they were calling that movie The Karate Kid when it was Jackie Chan and they were doing Kung Fu, it was just really obnoxious. But anyways, <laughs> I did, that's why I didn't watch that. And I do I do really look forward to this new thing with with uh, Johnny and Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio, and whatever the guy's name that played Johnny. They're both going to be involved in the project, and I understand that they're actually going to have their own martial arts schools in the show, and they're going to have their own students and stuff like that, and they're going to actually fight and, and have conflict. I mean, that sounds like a dream come, come true, right? That sounds like a gr- dream come true. I am so excited about this. That That sounds like better than something that I could even come up with, but it's probably following the trend of shows like Full House that came back, and I think there's a few other ones too. But I'm excited for it. I'm going to check it out. There was a music video that came out years ago. I can't remember what the band was called, but the music video was called Sweep the Leg, and they had had Crease, and they had Daniel, and they had Johnny, and they had a bunch of the Cobra Kai guys in that music video, and it was super funny, it was super awesome that they were actually able to get all those people together. And if you haven't seen it yet, go on YouTube right now and watch it because it, it'll if you're from that era like me, you will absolutely be delighted by it. 
if you're a child of the 80s, if you're, if you're like me, and you were like, when it was 1989, you were like 8 years old <laughs> or 7 years old. I'm actually more of a child of the 90s, to be totally clear. I'm more from that more from that era of early 90s. That's when I was a kid, so I still experience the era of innocence, but I can't say that I'm like a, a kid from the 70s or anything like that. That's a, that's a whole different ballgame. Anyways, let's move on. So the barbecue ban has been lifted. Apparently, maybe because it rained last night or because a lot of that British Columbia smoke has drifted off, you know, from the British Columbia fires, I can now grill again, and I took full advantage today. I grilled salmon. I grilled burgers. Oh, I forgot to grill my kibasas. Damn it. Now they're still in the fridge. Damn it. How did I forget? I grilled french fries. I grilled... What else did I grill? I grilled corn on the cob. I grilled... Uh, what else did I make? Mushrooms and onions and... Oh, I love to grill. I love to grill. It's, barbecue food is so good. I heard it can cause cancer, but I love it so much, I don't even give a fuck. I'm going to keep barbecuing. I'm going to keep eating barbecued food and barbecuing a bunch of stuff and just eating it throughout the week. Oh, man. I should be barbecued right now. I should have my mic right next to the barbecue, and I should be grilling as I do the show. Talk about your perfect life, right? What am I going to do next? I don't even know. I heard you can actually make a grilled grilled cheese sandwich, so I might try that. That sounds like a good idea. I really like grilling salmon. Oh, man, salmon is so good. So I can grill again. I'm happy. And let's see. What else do we have here? I've got a letter from a listener. And by the way, where what happened to the caller? Where did they go? I'm on Skype. I'm on... I'm on, uh, my profile is, uh, it says I'm online, so what's the deal? Why don't, why don't you call again? What's, you seem to really want to call earlier when I had a guest on. Are you just trying to disrupt, disrupt the show? Am I really that popular now that people are actually starting to do that? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? It's kind of a little bit of a bad thing because this is what I've kind of always been worried about. I've been worried about having those lines open and having people just, Whatever reason, they're bored, they want attention, they hate me because I talk about hairy armpit hippie chicks. Who knows? Maybe I said something that offended them at some point, which is unfortunately highly likely in my case. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But people, please don't do that. Go mess with some other show. It's just me here. I'm not getting paid. And... If you do that, it's going to make it hard for everybody else because I kind of had to start ignoring the calls. And I don't, for all I know, I could have actually missed out on an actual call because I didn't want to expose my guests to somebody being immature and obnoxious and, you know, give them a bad experience. And I'm not really sure I understand why people do stuff like that. It's so easy nowadays to go ahead and do your own show. You know what I mean? If you're bored, if you want to be part of things, why not just go and start your own show? So many people have been coming to me saying, Daniel, uh, you know, thank you so much for, uh, you know, g- giving advice about starting podcasts on the air and your encouragement and stuff like that. And, and, you know, that makes me feel so good. That makes me feel so good to hear that anybody out there is thinking about doing what I'm doing. Because, first of all, I want you to listen to the show. 
I, I like you to like the show and I want you to listen to it. But you know what would be great is if you at some point did a show like this on your own and you became the person that's going out there and spreading some truth. Yeah, I might not be quite as open-minded as I was two, three years ago. I might be slightly more skeptical, but it doesn't change the fact that we have a message that we got to get out there, that there is a world out there of paranormal conspiracy magic. There is a, a world of consciousness to explore, and this stuff is real, and we need to wake up the rest of the planet to this stuff. And I've seen uh, quite a bit of a change, uh, but with that change also comes a lot of obnoxious, fakey, foo-foo, fake conspiracies, disinformation, and stuff like that. So we have to be careful, we have to put our discerning goggles on, and we have to go in armed with the knowledge that anything that we look at could be real or it could be fake. We have to use logic, discernment, to figure out what's real and what's not, because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy seen through any deception and even when you get through the first layer of deception there's usually another one right underneath and the best liars do stuff like that <laughs> you know what I'm saying like they'll tell you 99% the truth and then 1% will be false 1% will be false and somehow that will screw up the whole thing and it will mess with your belief system and send you down a false rabbit trail that's how it works and sometimes they want to just bombard you with disinformation and bullshit to get you to give up, to get you to say to yourself, you know what, this stuff is fake, I'm tired of it, I'm chasing my tail, it's time to stop, it's time to just start watching football again. And speaking of football, guess who's back? Yeah, that's right, the Seattle Seahawks are back and they just played a preseason game where they're going to tomorrow, I'm excited. I'm going to listen. I got a, I got some work to do. I'm doing a show tomorrow, but go Seahawks. Oh, man. This again, right? Being plastered next to the radio or in front of the TV, just biting my nails, wondering what's going to happen. How far are we going to make it this time? I know you guys out there that don't even like football or perhaps are fans of the Packers or the Raiders. You You might not like this sort of talk, but... At least I'm watching. At least I'm participating. At least I'm not completely consumed with reptilians and voodoo and Bohemian Grove and Hillary Clinton's pubes and things like that. At least I'm not completely consumed with that stuff. And speaking of Hillary Clinton, now I want to talk about Hillary Clinton a little bit. So somebody the other day, they there was some interview on a what is this thing, Truth Frequency Radio or something like that. It's a, it's a network of paranormal conspiracy shows that's over in the UK. It, it looks like a pretty good network and everything, but one of their fans was just taking this interview one of those guys did, did with an ex-CIA person that somehow knows a lot about Hillary, and he was just like spamming it all over, all over Belgab. And he even put it in uh, the thread that's about, oh, somebody's calling. Let's see here. I'll have to get back to that in a second. Hello. Hey, Daniel. Hey there, buddy. How you doing? Doing good. I, I'm glad to see it's you calling. I recognize that number and not whatever the heck was going on earlier. What area code was it? Uh, let's see here. It looks like... I mean, you never know. A lot of these numbers are just spoofed online. Like they're yeah. 
Oh, totally. But totally. one's a 620, and then the, uh, uh, There's a 620 and a 719. I see. I don't, I don't recognize those area codes. But, but it um, sounded back back south, down south. Yeah, whoever it was sounded drunk or retarded or something. <laughs> totally, totally. Do, do you do you think that unicorns could be like a, a, an alien horse? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, your guest earlier was was it was a great guest. Boy, that was quite an interesting interview. Yeah, I thought so too. I'm gonna read. I'm definitely gonna read one or two of his books. That definitely caught my interest. Not. Not your typical alien UFO or conspiracy guy or anything like that. His his topics are very original. He had a lot of information uh, from the early uh, 80s and 70s and back into the 60s. That was, um, I think, if you if you read that book, Cosmic Trigger by Robert Anton Wilson, it would give you a pretty wide understanding. It's all kind. That's all kind of the left side of the conspiracy you know conspiracy theories have like a right side and a left side to them if you go back and uh, i thought it was awesome because he's covering the left side you don't hear the left side very often wait Uh, what do you mean left side versus right side Uh, what does that mean exactly um well it means like more liberal um and i wouldn't say democratic but you know like democrats but um, more they're they're more left leaning like California West Coast type of 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 characters like Timothy Leary, Robert Anton Wilson, Terrence McKenna. Those are all open minded, you know, towards drugs and all these strange topics. Where right wing conspiracy theories are more like Satan's, you know, running the whole thing at the top and. Uh, and and they don't talk about opening you expanding your consciousness. It's more like, you know, the the dry uh Bilderbergers, Rockefellers, Rothschilds kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, that that makes sense. I'm kind of wondering where I would fit in there. Probably somewhere in the middle. Uh probably. Um but but um Principia Discordia where he was talking about the Discordian societies. That's all uh, pretty fascinating stuff because the Discordian Society was created like at the height of Jim Garrison's investigation into President Kennedy. And they, the very first copies of their Bible, the Discordian Bible, they printed on Jim Garrison's copy machine. So there's some weird coincidences that, that were going on about the Illuminati. At one point, they pretended that they were the Illuminati. You know, yeah. Unfortunately, I I end up wondering how much of our current conspiracy stuff is is coming from groups like that that were just kind of spreading around prankster sort of fake uh, fake fake news. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was fake news as much as it was they had a they they were the counterculture. They were going against the establishment. They saw themselves as the good guys that were trying to expand people's consciousness back there in the 60s and the 70s. So they were coming up with some pretty weird radical ideas and they were heavily influenced by Crowley and the OTO and Golden Dawn and stuff too and the sex, drugs and rock and roll. 
So, so if you look into like, like I said, Robert Anton Wilson was one of my favorite writers on that. It sounds just like the stuff your guest was the expert on. You've read some Robert Anton Wilson? Oh, as much as I could get my hands on. He has a Illuminatus trilogy that's three thick books, and it's a fictional work. And it's the craziest um, work of fiction that has the Illuminati and all these different elements where he works fantasy with fiction. But but um, he, he wrote a couple, that was in the 70s, and then he wrote a couple later on that were, were like um, sequels to him during the 80s. Wilson got popular again. But he also wrote a bunch of books, Daniel, that were really cool about how the, the establishment controls your mind, how to get out of the mind control. He was good friends with Timothy Leary and John Lilly, and, you know, he knew all those guys. And so Wilson's, uh, uh, all Wilson's books are just a fount of knowledge. They're incredible. Yeah, that, that's For something that, that I'm going to, I'm definitely going to have to explore. It's, it's funny because there's no end to this stuff. There's always another trail to follow. There's always another connection. There's always another place to take it. It never really ends. Totally. And I think you mentioned like Mae Russell earlier. Uh, the guest she might have. Good, uh, or, or, or no, you mentioned it before in the past. Oh yeah, May yeah, Brussels. definitely. Mae Brussels and her. Uh, I, I believe she had. She was on a radio station. I, I don't know exactly where she was. She was or how much reach she had. I, I forgot. But she had. She was in California, and she was working with Carrie Thornley. Oh okay. When you were talking earlier about Carrie Thornley. Oh wow. Okay, it's all she, connected. He had a radio show, too, out in California in the 70s. And Mae Brussel, she was talking about how it was a right-wing conspiracy because the John Birchers were talking about focusing on the communists and the left-wing, where Mae Brussel and Carrie Thornley, they were talking about the conspiracy was a right-wing where they were really fascists that were bringing in a right-wing style of government. So when you dig into the conspiracy literature, it gets pretty freaking weird. And May Brussels believed that she, you know, she she was being followed and harassed by, by whoever it was, you know. Oh really? I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, she had her house broken into a number of times, stuff rearranged, and I think some people, she, you know, she believed that they were gonna gonna get her. You know what I'm and, afraid uh, of, Todd? You know what I'm honestly what I'm afraid of happening? What's that? I'm a I'm not really afraid of them like killing me or hurting me or like breaking in my house and, and messing things up. What I'm afraid of is somehow they're going to, like, go in and, and kill me, and, and then they're going to find my pornography collection on my computer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spread that around. This is who he really was, you know. <laughs> he wasn't in it for the truth. This was a, this is what this guy was doing. You know? Something like that, the, the setup. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be horrible. They're going to find out that I, I have uh, all sorts of bestiality pornography on my computer. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But you were well, saying, yeah, you were saying. <laughs> you were saying, Todd. But I, oh, I had to call in for the news roundup. D- does that mean you would like to news. do a news story? Yeah, do a news story with you. Okay, so this isn't really an actual article, but... As you know, there has been some major heat going on, major heat brewing, bleh, major heat brewing between President Donald J. Trump 
and the leader of North Korea, I believe his name is uh, Hong Kong Yum, Kong <laughs> Jung Hum Yum, <laughs> yeah, Hong Kong yeah. Yum. I heard of that guy, yeah. <laughs> Yum come, but anyways, apparently they're making some very aggressive threats at each other. Um, but they've been doing that for a long time. Oh, I- I'm North sorry, Korea that's Kim has. Kim Jong Um. Sorry about that. Yeah, they've been doing that a long time. Korea has, and. Um, We've been giving those guys weapons. You know, most of the world wouldn't even have weapons if we hadn't personally handed it to them. And um, and so it, they they want money from us. You know, North Korea, because we give them billions in aid when we're friends with them. Um, so they can sit and rattle swords over there, and 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 then our government can use it to to fearmonger the citizens, right? They get everybody on the verge of thinking it's World War Three, and you'll roll over to anything, you know. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that I have wondered about. I a few months ago, I got into this whole thing where I was watching videos and reading articles about the possibility that nuclear weapons are actually completely fake, and they're just used as this propaganda mechanism to keep the whole world from having another world war. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You said you you were looking into that. I never did look into into that. Um nuclear weapons being real or not. But um but the thing is is that the the Korean conflict, you know, we've got big we got big military bases over in South Korea, a bunch of them. And um and we basically ran ran the the South Korean side, the United States. Um, since the Korean War, you know, we prop them up, we 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 defend them the whole time since the fifties. We've been paying that out of our tax dollars to su- sustain that conflict. It's yeah, in yeah, the for sure. Industrial establishment's best interest to keep it going because they can keep selling weapons. Um, and so it isn't that they're not a real threat, but but we get pinched by them, and and you know the military industrial complex takes advantage of the fear. It's kind of like a flat Earth, where nobody's actually well, a few people have, but most people have not been into space, and they can't say firsthand the Earth is round, the Earth is flat, the Earth is round. The same thing applies to nuclear weapons. None of us have seen a nuclear weapon go off firsthand. None of us can really explain the technology in the sense that we would really understand and know that this is something that actually would work. We kind of just have to take the word of leaders and, and scientists that are talking, well, at least in the case of scientists, they're usually talking over our heads. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty weird. Um, I was listening to the Higher Side Chats, one of his interviews with, and I forget the name of the guy, so pardon me, but he was an expert kind of on um, chemtrails, you know, done a lot, does a lot of activist speaking on chemtrails. And he was saying if you follow the patents that they're sending in in the last three years, they basically are ushering the, rushing the patents through 
on the on the new geoengineering program that they're going to have, you know, rolled out. Um, and, and and he says if you look at the patents, they're so advanced if the chemicals, the chemical process, what they do, that the average person can't even understand what it is that they're supposedly, you know, is being patented and, and put into production and used on us here soon. So that was a pretty interesting article. Because if the information's too too complex to understand, how, what are you going to do with it, you know? Yeah, you know, what's funny is I was at, at my job the other day and there, there's a guy that works there and he's probably like, I don't know how old this guy is. He's He's like in his early 20s and we were sitting there, we were talking about cars and, you know, frivolous everyday things and this guy was just littered with chemtrails and I, and I just said, hey, look at that. Is, isn't that kind of weird? What do you suppose that is? And I, I, I was kind of playing a game. I mean, not, I wasn't messing with him or anything, but I was just kind of experimenting, seeing how, what, how this guy's going to react when I start throwing these fringe sort of weird topics at him. Is he going to be open to it? Is he going to freak out? And his reaction was, he just didn't really want to look at that. He didn't deny it. He, he, he looked it up on his phone, stuff about contrails and stuff like that. And then he just sort of said, look, I'm, I'm here and I, I only really care about, uh, making money and, and, uh, things that have to do with me. And I, I don't really care about anything like that. And I think that's kind of how it is for a lot of people. They're just more concerned about, you know, getting their next paycheck and, and, and frivolous sort of everyday things. Probably, probably everywhere I go, though, if I get the chance, I, I slip in the conversation about the conspiracy or the, what do you know? You know, I'll sit, I'll ask anybody, everybody, oh, you don't know nothing? Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> so I I go around telling people all, all everything I know about all that stuff if they haven't been introduced and, and try to bring them up to speed as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, you you can do that. You can do that, but if if you're if you do that, you have to just not care what people think because people are going to judge you. They're going to say you're a foil hat guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you come off, um, you know, like knowing some things and actually present a decent case, they they might um, they might listen to you. So maybe if you can at least plant a seed. Mm-hmm. Plant a seed. Get to, to get to know what they're in, you know what what they're interested in about it. My wife never wanted to hear it when I first met her. Didn't believe it until I slowly had a chance to point out this and that and this and that. And pretty soon she's smart, you know. She's like, "Holy shit, it is <laughs> happening!" You just took her and you you tied her to a chair and put her in front of the computer and and taped her eyes open and made her watch Alex yeah. Jones for sixteen hours. But I dropped in exactly. <laughs> no, I just played that in the background. Keep the eyes moist. <laughs> played it at night quietly. <laughs> my audible. You know what's funny is uh, no. I I often I I criticize I criticize Alex Jones and call him a a dis, disinfo disinfo agent and and things like that. But uh, the fact that he actually got his kids taken away that really makes me question a lot of the conspiracy stuff because you'd think that if he really is connected he'd be able to make a phone call and just you know get get that woman killed or get get control and custody of his kids or something you wouldn't think that he would have to adhere to any of that I hear you but I don't I don't know you know if you listen close over the years like you said he's 
heavily aligned with the right wing, with Republican, you know, more Republican leaning. Um, lots of NRA and, and you know, the, that type of endorsement. Now he plays their commercial, you know, on, on their the NRA commercials all the time. If you listen lately, him and Mike Cernovich claim that they're going, they're going to try to kill them and the president. I don't know if you've listened lately to Jones. Uh, not really. Sometimes I'll, I'll I watched a lot of him during the election because I was getting really into supporting Donald Trump, and I, I was I was watching Alex Jones every day, and I, I was getting really into it. <laughs> That's probably the most into Alex Jones that I've ever been. And then after the election, I sort of snapped out of it, but. Uh, I, I haven't really watched in a while. I, I've just kind of kind of drifted away from that that whole thing. Uh, it's that's interesting though. He, he actually thinks that they're gonna try to kill him. Oh, that's the very latest. He, you know, the past couple of weeks or few weeks, he's been saying, you know, pushing that they're gonna kill Trump real hard. They have in, you know, they they're watching it. They're pulling, they're catching all these CIA agents on TV talking about getting rid of the president. So he's been pushing that real hard. And then about the last couple of weeks, he, you know, week or so, he's been saying that they want to kill him. And he's brought Mike Cernovich on. Do you know Mike Cer, Mark Cer, Mike Cernovich? Uh, no. He's a, he writes a blog. He or he does a, a news blog somewhere so he's a reporter that Alex Jones has aligned himself with and, and you know going to have a second show. Jones has expanded his operation where he's going to have f- five different hosts that are going to be going and he wants a 24-hour news station. Yeah he's so, got all those those uh, good-looking and attractive females on there. He's gone the Fox News route. Well you know sex sells you got to have your attractive girls in there if you're going to Tell the news. I mean, <laughs> yeah, just so long, about. just so long as they're not like sitting on his lap backstage or anything like that. But they they claim to have a source in the White House, Daniel, that's feeding them information, and it's they probably do. It could be maybe like Steve Bannon or something that runs Breitbart News, one of Trump's closest advisors. Oh, it looks like we have a uh, looks like we have another call coming in, Todd. Sorry to cut you off. A uh, caller, yeah. are you there? No, I I can jump back. I can jump. Hello. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? It's going good. I have a, I have a question for Gary. I I heard him bring up God like so many times. Well, if you believe in aliens, how the hell does anybody believe in God? Uh, who's Gary? Mad Martian. Gary's not on tonight. Gary's been on. I've been watching End of Days for uh, a while. You, you've got the wrong. You've got the wrong show, buddy. Gary was on uh, my former broadcasting partner Michael Deacon's show. I think it was last night or the night before. Right. Okay, Michael Deacon. They're not doing it right now because they probably are. Go go to his website and and get on there and call him up, and then you'll be on the right track. Okay, well, what, what's your what's your radio station? This is End of Days Radio, and I'm I'm Daniel. I I used to do a show. With, we used to do this show together. Okay. So that's so why you're confused. And that's that's not entirely your fault. So it's it, you know it's not that's not your fault. It's confusing. Right. Yeah, I just googled it to try to find the phone number, and then so I could get get in and try to. 
All right, well, right on. Yeah, all right. Well, now that I, I see that you're you're actually a normal person, uh, I thank you for calling in, and, and, of course, please check out my show when you have the time. Well, what, what's your show about? I mean, it's got to be pretty similar. Kind of, kind of. It's it's along the same lines. Uh, we talk about conspiracies and aliens and all that fun stuff. And uh, I, I don't really get along with Gary, though, so you're not going to hear him on this show. Uh, most, most people don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a little shot out of a cannon. Oh, shit, that's, that's saying little. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name, sir? Justin. All right, Justin, feel free to call in any time. I'm going to let you go. All right, later. All right, later. You still there, Todd? Uh, yeah, I'm here right on. You did a public service announcement. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get back to the other show. Some confusion going cool. on there. He thinks he thinks Gary's on right now. That's what I thought. I mean, he, he called in, and I thought maybe it was a prank call or something. But it's just uh, he, he's just confused. So uh, <laughs> no, no, nothing against him. Oh, I thought Gary was pretty funny at times. Where he'd say shit like, um, I'm not going to fuzzy your nuts or some shit like that. I love that shit. Uh, yeah, it, it was definitely funny at times. It was just, <laughs> I mean, how how long, how much Gary can you put up with when you're listening to two hours of just ranting? And I, it just, it would just bore the crap out of me. I've, I've had a, a lifetime, uh, enough of that stuff for a lifetime. I hear you. It was still pretty funny at moments, though, but... Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, I, so, I don't, uh, I don't disagree that it's funny. It's just when somebody starts being disrespectful towards me, like regardless of it's if it's funny or not, yeah. it's just like you know, I if he would actually let me get a word in and ask him a question or talk, it'd be different. But he he just thinks he can go on air and just rant and rave and talk over people and just be an asshole. He's never gonna get called on. I'm one of the few people that actually calls him on it, and I'm I'm proud of that fact. And, and if Gary wants to. If if he if he wants to keep talking smack about me and he wants to confront me about it, he's had an open challenge to call into the show for over half a year now, and he's never picked up the phone. He's he's afraid. He's a pussy. He's afraid to confront me, and I'd I'd like that to go on public record. Uh, I put that challenge out a long time ago for him to come on the show and explain to me why he's going around talking smack about me when I gave him so much opportunity to so much exposure and opportunity in the past and have been nothing but nice to him. Yeah, that's too strange. He's going around talking smack about you. That, that's strange. He's an asshole. He look look um, what he does. He he spends his entire life obsessing over Richard C. Hoagland. It's like get a life, man. Richard C. Hoagland's not that important. There's other stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I I, I was wondering. I think your guest he was on Clyde's show. You know, earlier tonight, Adam Go Rightly. Uh huh. I think he's been on Clyde's show a number of times, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I think so, well. yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, when I... I'll usually look up a guest and try to do as much research or research on them as time permits, and I, 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 did, I do believe I did see him on uh, the Clyde Lewis show. What's Clyde's show called again? Ground Zero. Yeah, that's right. I, I do believe I've seen him on there. There's, that show does a lot of good interviews. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, Clyde does incredible... Um, interviews on, you know, so many of the best. But uh, yeah, I wasn't going to keep you, Daniel. I just had to call in for the news roundup. Did we Did we get, oh, oh North Korea before I let you go. That go, thing's go been going on since 1950s. That the conflict there and us having a military base there and 
they use it every few years. You know, they wheel it back out to scare everybody. It's like that kabuki dance where the thing comes out and dances and it's putting on the show, you know, everybody's going, whoa. And so it's a distraction, too, to keep you focused on the big issues, the real issues. Yeah, that's that makes uh, quite a bit of sense and definitely, definitely fits into my worldview. I also have to wonder if maybe Trump is just kind of calling the bluff. Maybe he just thinks that, hey, we are giving... What's his name? Kim Jong Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Kim Jong Un. Maybe we're giving him too much credit, and we are. Maybe it's time to call him out on it. Because if we call him out on it and nothing happens, then a lot of people are going to be quite a bit less afraid of him. Yeah, but I think it's more like the um, the, the the thing where they have. It's a game they play. It's a, it's a world game that they play. They use that country to manipulate us into doing, you know, we, the globalists built China back in the seventies. All the Western powers built China, gave them all the weapons. And, and then they gave, made sure that their, uh, surrounding countries, Korea had weapons, North Korea had weapons. And um, and now we're we're fighting against the the weapons that we've given them, you know. Yeah, the very similar thing happened with the Muslim terrorists with uh, yeah Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just a vicious cycle that keeps going, and we we keep having to fight these guys. And <laughs> hey, Todd, you can see how this outcome. Yeah. Have you ever seen a movie called uh damn it, what is it called? Uh something in Mexico. Uh it's it's a sequel to that movie Desperado. Time in Mexico. What's that? Once upon a time. Yeah, yeah, the the Johnny Depp character. Johnny Depp, he plays yeah. a CIA agent who does exactly what you're yeah. talking about. He goes around and manipulates world leaders and, and, you know, sells them weapons and, and gets this guy against this guy and, and just manipulates the global playing field. Yeah, that movie was an excellent example of how they, how we represent, you know, um, spread our policies around and they use agents to go down and do that stuff. That's all based on real characters. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, that's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I think that's a Robert Rodriguez movie, isn't it? Um, Robert Rodriguez, yep. Yeah, he makes some um, really cool you know, movies. Go ahead. On that topic, Venezuela's collapsing. Its government's collapsed. Its currency's collapsed. It's sinking into martial lots. It's uh, basically... Hey, Todd, um, you know we're having a... Rebel. Hey, yeah. Todd, you know we're having a member of... Uh, a former or current member of Anonymous on tomorrow? Whoa. Yeah. That sounds interesting. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Yep. Wow. Back to back. Got a show almost every day this week. What was that? Is he in the open now? Does he go by Anonymous or is he in the open? Uh, his name is... His name is Greg House and he has been yeah. on... Quite a few different. Pro- I'm sorry, Greg Hausch, and he has actually been on quite a few different programs, and he's going to be joining us tomorrow. He's kind of like the 
spokesperson for Anonymous. He's like their public ambassador. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Oh yeah. And ask questions about these um, some of these cryptic statements that have been released by Anonymous and wh- what they think about the world and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, that sounds really interesting. Like I said, it's going to be uh, a kick-ass week. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. You were talking about Terrence McKenna earlier. Um, you, Which book did you read? I read True Hallucinations and... What's it called? Food of the Gods? I think the that's God. what it's called. Food yeah, of the I gods. read both of those. I read both of those. I think I still have Food of the Gods. And then um, I also... Yeah, I also... I also, uh, you know what a torrent is, right? It's like you go to the Pirate Bay, a place like that, and you can download different movies and TV shows and stuff illegally. You know about that, right? I've heard of it, yeah. Well, I found one that was Uh, just packed full of, like, hours and hours and hours of Terrence McKenna's speeches over the years and his books and stuff like that, and... I spent like a whole summer just going through that stuff, and that that's part of the reason why I'm why, why I'm here today because going through all that stuff it just really blew my damn mind. Totally, totally, and you know he's uh, he's the offshoot of like Robert Anton Wilson, and 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 a few writers during that period. You got to go check out Robert Anton Wilson if you get a chance because before. Terrence McKenna is Robert Anton Wilson, and um, he covers like the 70s into the 80s, about the same time as Terrence McKenna was coming out with his books. But um, real interesting, you know, because Terrence McKenna was talking about the the changing of your consciousness with the with the, well, I don't know if it was ayahuasca or he was using all kinds of stuff, um, mushrooms and. He was exploring South America and using all their different concoctions, actually, if I remember right. Pretty much everything he'd get his hands on. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at some of his work right now. Uh, some of this stuff looks really interesting. I, I don't know why I've never read any of this, but I'm looking at the Illuminatus trilogy. I'm looking at this uh, sex something and magic book. Like, this is... Sex, Drugs, and Magic by Robert Anton Wilson, 1973. Why haven't I read this? Um, because it's left. It's like it's harder to find the underground counterculture stuff almost than it is the, the right-wing conspiracy, you know, angle. There's tons of the right-wing stuff. There's there's a lot less of the left-wing, and the left-wing is better in a lot of respects. Todd, right why, why don't you? Funnier there. Todd, why don't you write a book? Um, I, I guess it's not the not the right time in my life. I'm I'm so busy working, trying to make ends meet. But I could definitely write one with all the wacky stuff I've done and seen. Maybe we should do this. Maybe you should maybe write write a book and not release it or anything, and and have it hidden somewhere and tell me the location. And and if anything bad ever happens to you, I'll go get your book and I'll read it. There you go. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Do you remember how you were telling me to throw your body on the White House lawn if you if you if you die? You know, tell Trump <laughs> you're a hero. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll have you come and take my body up to the top of Mount Olympus here and perform the the rites. You know. Oh, you want me to do a ritual? That's right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Am I doing this with your actual body or with your ashes? Because that could be that could be pretty heavy. I'll try to get pre-cremated before you come, yeah. Okay, I'd appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't want to have to do that myself. That, send, that could be difficult. Send me off into the abyss, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Todd. I've got I've had you on the line for half right an hour on, yeah, now. Yeah. I'm gonna have to let you go, buddy. Yeah, sounds good. You have a good evening. Yeah, you too. All right. Good night. Peace. And there he was. That was Todd the Bod coming at us all the way from the beautiful, dry, desolate Utah. <laughs> Coming at us from Mormon country. Todd's a good guy. Talk to him a lot. Oh, there's so much to talk about here. How long have we been on air? Two hours and 22 minutes. How much time do I have to get into all this? So before I, before Todd called, I was starting to talk a little bit about this, this interview by another show that I became aware of where this ex-CIA lady was talking about Hillary Clinton and all her terrible connections and she's part of this or that and and uh, Hillary Clinton obviously is a very controversial character during the election I was very anti-Hillary I mean I was Trump 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 let's get Trump elected he's gonna fix the economy he's gonna clean the swamp blah 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 I was really into it. I, I never bought into any of the allegations of racism or anything like that. I still don't. I don't think Donald Trump is racist. I, I don't know. I mean, people keep trying to convince me, and, and you know, the, all the evidence is very, it's very loose. It's like, oh, he's racist because some of his fans, like, he's catering to their racial inclinations. That That's pretty hard to prove. I mean, I... Unless I see him say or do something overtly racist, I don't think that label is fair. And it's not. To the contrary of what a lot of people out there believe that just hate Donald Trump for no no reason and just think he's an asshole. And uh, maybe he is a little bit sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's Donald Trump. But um, anyways, that's besides the point. It, I'm not here to promote or, or uh, bash Trump. I'm talking about Hillary Clinton. So during the election, during the election and before that, and even now, I was always very anti-Hillary. I've always thought she seemed like a very evil person. I heard of her being involved with Whitewater, with Benghazi, even having people like, I think the guy's name was James Foster or something like that, having these people killed for digging too deep, for being involved with certain things. I've heard so many things about her, and... I can't really say what is true and what's not about this woman. I've heard everything from she's corrupt to to the idea that she's some kind of clone and she she dries up and withers away every five years and the clone needs to be replaced. I've heard all kinds of things like this. I've also heard of her being a pedophile and being part of these elite orgies and molestations and ritual abuse and things like that. And... I don't really know if any of that is true. I know she's corrupt. I know things like Whitewater are real. But is she the mastermind and head of this huge conspiracy that... I I don't know. How would I prove that? So much of this stuff is seeded by the left or the right. or You know what I'm talking about? She has a lot of people that hate her. And I get that. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her. 
and like a lot of people do, and, and I'm sorry if you're a fan of Hillary Clinton, I'm not saying these things to make you angry or uh, to disagree with you or anything like that. I'm just being honest. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to be honest on the radio, and I don't like her. But I'm not going to start saying that she's a child molester or anything like that because I haven't seen solid evidence to to say that. I haven't seen enough. I think that's a very strong allegation. If you're going to make an allegation like that, you better have something to back it up with. So that makes me a little uncomfortable saying she's like a child molester or this or that. Now, I do know that Jennifer Flowers said that Bill told her that Hillary's bisexual and he does not have any problem with that. That's well known. I believe that because, well, it's only obvious that it's true. The Clintons are perverts. Bill and Hillary Clinton are perverts. And what does that mean exactly? Well, it just means that everybody's got something, right? Like, everybody's got some kind of weird sexual inclination or or they have dreams about certain things or repressed stuff going on or everybody has something. Like, some people, it's real extreme where they're, they're into these weird fetishes like rubber or or fire, or they fall in love with a bridge or a horse or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Sexuality can get very weird. And why that is, I have no idea. It must have something to do with evolution. (laughs) Maybe it has something to do with our reptilian DNA. I really don't know. But human beings are really horny monkeys when you really think about it, right? It's true. We try to downplay to marginalize this and call people perverts and and, and, you know, get get off this sort of talk. We try to do that. But at the end of the day, everybody's got something. And and Hillary and Bill, they, they have their perversions just like anybody else. And what you're seeing is you're just seeing what happens when two people get a lot of power. What do they do with it? They get involved with all these orgies and stuff like that. I'm not saying everybody would do that. I'm not saying it's normal. But I'm saying this is what happens. These people were put under a spotlight and all of their weird sexual inclinations came out in the open and and were dragged out into the light. And that's, to me, that's all that it is. It's just two people that are a little perverted and because they have so many people going through their dirty laundry, it all just comes to light, like... Uh, supposedly Hillary and one of her assistants, this Huma Abedin, they're, they have some kind of relationship going on behind the scenes. And coincidentally, Huma Abedin was married to Anthony Weiner, who does what? He plays with his Weiner, and he shows his Weiner, and his name is Weiner, because God or whoever out there has a freaking sense of humor. It's called divine synchronicity. Weiner likes to show his Weiner. It's magical. Wiener with his wiener. In fact, Huma Abedin caught Wiener showing his wiener to an underage girl on his phone when they were in bed. And that's when she finally left him. And good for her. Good for her for recognizing that that relationship was fucked and getting up and leaving. I do respect that. And I don't know what's up with this Huma Abedin. I mean, she's not a terribly awful-looking woman. I, I suppose in certain lighting, you could say that she's pretty. She seems somewhat intelligent. Why did she end up with Anthony Weiner? I've also heard she has a file on her computer that just has tons of dirt on the Clintons on it. 
and she calls it her life insurance. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, Bill, Hillary, perverts, it's already been proven, but why continue to pick on them? They are not relevant. They are not relevant anymore. The election's over. Is Hillary going to come back? She's too old. Is Bill going to come back? I doubt it. I'm sure they have plenty of speaking engagements to be involved in. And who knows? Maybe Chelsea will run for president one day. And we can see that ugly mug up there. I'm sorry, Chelsea. I'm just joking. You're not ugly. You just need a little plastic surgery. I'm being mean. Stop, Daniel. Stop. I'm listening to the little devil on my shoulder instead of the angel. They're both whispering in my ear, and I'm talking in the microphone. And Sometimes I go right, sometimes I go left. I just don't know what to do sometimes. Uh, okay, what else do we got? Uh, this is a letter from a guy named Samuel. He says, Dear Daniel, please tell us your full unfiltered opinion on the Gaza Strip and Israel in general. Ooh, yikes. Do I really want to talk about that? That's super controversial. I don't know if I want to go there, Samuel. Look, what I can say is that the entire situation makes me very sad. And no, I'm not going to be one of these people that rides the fence and is afraid to have an opinion one way or the other. I just want them to stop. I want them to stop killing. I want them to stop arguing. I want them to stop being so caught up in religious ideals. I think that in the case of Israel and the Gaza Strip, any Western influence on these people, any sort of like materialistic, atheistic type of influence, I think is super good for them. In fact, why don't we just like go over there and drop pamphlets on them or give them some free iPads or something? Is there some way we can just make all these super religious, so-called spiritual people over there much more materialistic all at once so that they don't care about some temple or some plot, some strip of land or anything like that. Is there a way that we could do that? I, I There was a time in my life where I really bought into the Rothschild's Jewish conspiracy thing. You know, there's tons and tons of evidence for it. But at the end of the day... Can you really say that it's the Jews? Not really, because it's not. It's the Freemasons. It's the Vatican. It's the Tula Society. It's There's so many different influences and so many different sections and parts of this so-called Illuminati. It doesn't really make sense to blame the people that follow the ways of Moses. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. They're not really intrinsically evil or against the rest of the world. Most of them are just normal people that celebrate Hanukkah and they have their beliefs and that's it. They're not, they don't think that they're better than anybody or anything like that. Um, is there something to be said about the Rothschilds in Israel and what they're doing over there and 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 the the star of David and the flag and the fact that that was their family still in the 15th century and really has nothing to do with David. Yeah, there's something weird going on there. There's some very weird occult sort of shit going on and a lot of control and a lot of power and a lot of stuff like that. There's obviously stuff like that going on. But that doesn't mean that Billy down the street that 
is Jewish deserves to be punished for things that some super rich people are doing somewhere because super rich people are shitty in general. It doesn't matter if you're super rich and you're Jewish or you're super rich and you're Muslim or you're super rich and you're atheist. A lot of people that are super rich are just assholes. And I'm not saying that money is evil or power is evil. It just tends to bring out the worst in certain individuals. Not everybody, but certain individuals. Money, power, success, it can be a magnifying glass to who you really are. It brings up who you really are. So so uh, that's how I feel about the situation. And my opinion changes a lot. Like I said, there was a time when I was like, oh, it's the Rothschilds and this whole thing they're doing with the banks and, and we got to do something about these guys. But now it's kind of like, yeah, they sort of play their part and they're part of the grand fucked up situation that's going on and yeah, they need to stop hoarding all the money and power and wealth and quit being such a-holes and quit summoning Satan or Lucifer or whatever the hell they're doing behind closed doors. But I'm not super hyper-focused on them. I'm not blaming them for everything. That's That was the problem with Hitler. That was the problem with him. He was putting it all on this one group of people and it can't all be put on one group of people because there are many groups of people that have done horrible things. Once again, the Vatican, the Catholic Church, the, the, they, they burned a bunch of Jewish people at one point. So in, in a lot of cases, it was completely reversed, where uh, the Catholics were doing awful things to people. And once again, I'm not putting it all on the Catholics either. I'm not doing that. I'm not taking this or that group and saying they're to blame for everything. I'm not going to even blame these alien groups that supposedly exist. I'm not going to say it's the reptilians or it's the mantises or it's the the human-looking aliens that are the leaders and they control the reptilians. And who knows? It all sounds like a friggin' sci-fi novel. Yes, I believe that there are reptilian aliens out there in some form somewhere. Yes, I believe there's probably different kinds like mantis aliens and human-looking ones and stuff like that. But I, other than that, I'm not saying that they're responsible for this or that. That's a real big leap in, a big leap in judgment. I need to see more evidence. I, I need somebody to, I need Jesus to show up on my porch and just explain everything to me. Because I'm, how do I explain it? It's, I suppose, like I was saying earlier, there was a point where my mind became so open that I had to take a step back. I had to say, Daniel, maybe it's not so bad to spend a little bit more time on the ground floor. Maybe it's not so bad to, maybe it's not so bad to just watch a little bit of football and, and not worry about the reptilians or them eating people or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to take a step back and you got to ask yourself, okay, what do I actually believe? What is true? What do I absolutely know is true? What are my beliefs? What what type of reality do I live in? Do do I live in a reality where there's this Illuminati out there and I'm the center of this huge gang stalking thing and I'm trying to escape the matrix? Is that what it is? Is is it really that negative? Probably not. Uh, the truth is things are not that marginalized. They're not that easy to explain. They're not that simple. Things aren't that simple. That's the truth. Things aren't that simple. I'm not saying this or that isn't real. 
that's the last thing that I'm going to say. That's the last thing that I'm going to say, because I know that this crazy shit is real. I have had telepathic experiences. I have had a UFO 15 feet away from my face. I've seen things that make no sense and experienced things that make no sense to the point where I just had to stop doing whatever I was doing. And that's the reality that I know to be true. But I can't let those experiences cause me to lose my grip on reality either. It's not easy. Holy crap, how long was I just talking about that? I was being so serious. Why so serious? <laughs> Ugh. Nothing like a long-winded speech, right? Anyways, let's move on from this. Let's, get, let's move on to some more lighter topics, right? This is so negative, but it's important, and we need to talk about it sometimes. All right, what else do we have going on? Looks like I have another... And you know what, Samuel, thanks for that letter. That really prompted some real real talk from me, so thank you. I do thank you all for your emails. Remember, that's Daniel, endofdaysradio at gmail.com. That's Daniel, endofdaysradio at gmail.com. <laughs> what else is going on? I have a letter from... Steve, it says, hey, Danny, tell me what is better and why, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, wow, that is a hard question. Both of them are pretty good. I think that both Star Trek and Star Wars... Both have things about them that make them important to fans of science fiction and society and even spiritual type of things. I think there's a lot there. I mean, Star Trek has had, what, 20 movies or something like that? In Star Wars, they're they're now expanding on that now. They're, they're really expanding on it. So as a f- big fan of both... Oh, somebody's calling. What? What? It said, <laughs> "What just happened?" It said, "Uh, it's." I almost got a call from the Get in the Corner podcast. That's the podcast with uh, Yuck Nasty and and uh, Dog a Baby and those guys. <laughs> Should I try calling them back? Maybe they're on air. Fuck it, let's do it. Give them a free plug at least. Get into corner. Ring in. They're probably not going to pick up. Stuff like this rarely goes well when you just decide to do things randomly. Hello? The nope. person whom you're trying to reach. Nope, that didn't work. They're probably actually interviewing somebody, so it's probably better not to bug them. But check out the Get in the Corner Comedy podcast. Uh, Getting a lot of calls on Skype tonight. What's going on? Am I, am I getting super popular? Am I going to get a sit at the cool table soon? With the football players and the cheerleaders and their skivvies? Is that going to happen to me? Is that going to happen to Daniel? So, what do I like better? Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, boy. So, both. <laughs> there we go again. Both have so much going for them. I mean, Star Trek has got Spock and Scotty and the Doctor and Kirk and his fist fights and all that stuff and his bad acting or his great acting, depending on how you look at it. 
And then Star Wars has the Force and that whole spiritual thing and Han Solo and Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt and all of that stuff. So if I if you're really going to pin me against the wall and make me decide, I would go with Star Wars. I've always said I like Star Wars better. But then we have to take into account those awful prequels. So whatever advantage Star Wars had, did it lose some because of those awful prequels? I think it's probably at least lost a little bit. I, I can't say that Star Wars is absolutely as cool and perfect and just awesome as it was before or after I saw Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks really screwed things up for a lot of people. And his character was racist. <laughs> he, he was a racist character, or a lot of people think he was. I'm not saying that Star Wars is completely ruined. Of course not. I love the new movie. The Force Awakens. Oh, man, that was badass. Two thumbs up. Two huge thumbs up. I love that movie. And uh, what was the other one? Rogue One. Once again, two thumbs up. I fucking love that movie. That, oh, I, I can't talk about that. I was about to talk about, like, one of the last scenes. But some of you guys probably haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to spoil that for you. Go watch that. Go buy it on Blu-ray. Star Wars Rogue One. And then you have the fact that the last couple Star Trek movies weren't all that awesome. The new rebooted series, it's not doing it for me. But I love Voyager. I love The Next Generation. I love the original series. I love all the movies. I mean, how about that uh, Wrath of Khan? Khan! Khan! That's so classic. Khan! Khan! I should just put that in the intro to the show. That should just be it. Just, Khan! Khan! This is End of Days Radio. Khan! <laughs> in, in those those worm things that they put in people's ears in that movie. Oh, man. It's just wrong on every level. And you know what's so cool about that? Khan was a character from the TV show, and he came back in the movie for revenge. How cool is that? Like, can you imagine if you were actually an adult at that time? I was a kid, but can you imagine if you got to experience all that? Wrath of Khan. Not only the best Star Trek movie, but one of the best movies of all time, period. Rest in peace, Spock. Rest in peace, Dr. McCoy. Rest in peace, Scotty. Who else died? Rest in peace to all those guys. Final Frontier, motherfuckers. This is the Final Frontier, End of Days Radio. We're going to space together. We're, we're going we're gonna to take the Mad Martian, and we're going to make him fight bare-chested against a Klingon. Because this is the end of days. Okay, let's move on from this. Star Trek, Star Wars. Ah, such a nerd. I'm so ashamed. Okay, so... I wanted to talk a little bit about... Dwarves. You know what I'm talking about, right? Dwarves. Little people. In the past, they were called midgets. You see, things have changed quite a bit. The world has changed. Not only are you not allowed to use slanders against gay people or transgender people anymore, but you can't say midget. You can't say dwarf. You can still sort of say dwarf, but they don't really want you to say that either. Now you need to say little person or LP. 
And there's all these TV shows now, like Little People, Big World, and The Little Chocolatiers, and excuse me, the uh, there's one called like Ten Little Wieners or some, Ten Little Johnsons, something like that. And there's one called uh, it's 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 a copy of the show The Real Housewives of L.A., but it's called Little Women of L.A. and Holy crap, these little dwarf women go at it on this show. Like, they actually, like, get into physical altercations. It's crazy. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. But if you like drama and you like dwarves and you have not seen this show, what's wrong with you? And I'm not telling you to watch this show because it's so trash. I don't know why I watch it. It's disgusting. It's like lowest common denominator type stuff, but... I start watching it, and I can't stop. It's like a train wreck. It's like, I, I just got to see five more minutes of these these dwarves. And there's this one on right now. It's called, like, Little Women of L.A. Summer Camp or Vacation Time or a couples, couples Retreat or something like that. And it's crazy. These people are just, it's just drama all the time. And... There's this guy named Matt Grundelhofer or something like that, and he's just the biggest asshole I've ever seen. He's got a he's got a girlfriend that's a dwarf, and he treats her like shit. Like, it's not bad enough that this poor woman, her name's Brianna, she's a dwarf. This guy is, like, emotionally and mentally abusing her. And they're putting it on TV as a sideshow for the world to watch, this horrible, abusive situation. And and this guy he's he's a, he's a little asshole and he's a coward. People put him in his place like every episode. He just keeps coming back, keeps being an asshole. Why am I talking about this? <laughs> watching talking about watching some awful TV show. But I'm, I'm just talking about how much the times have changed. It's so strange how much the world has changed. You can't even say midget anymore. You got to say little person, and and really that's the right way to do it. I mean, who wants to get laughed at? Luckily, I'm I'm six foot tall, and I'm I'm not fat. I'm you know, I'm muscular. I'm I'm tall. I'm normal looking, and even me, I I have a lot of insecurities. I have more insecurities than I can count, and I'm not like there's nothing really wrong with my appearance or. You know, I'm a pretty smart guy. There's not a whole lot to make fun of. But still, I've got all these hang-ups and insecurities, and I can barely function sometimes because I have so many insecurities. I just want to sit there all day and think about them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But how would I ever make it through life if I was a dwarf? I wouldn't. I would have hung myself, and it probably would have been easy because I wouldn't have to be very high up. It It would probably be really easy to kill yourself if you're a dwarf and i'm pretty sure i would have done it so you know big shout out to all you little people out there that's not easy it's not easy and to have people you know pat you on the head and laugh at you every day and take pictures and stuff like that that's gotta suck i mean i don't i don't but at least there's plenty of people to hire for movies like the Hobbit. Actually, I think they use full-size people in that movie, but you know what I'm saying, like Wizard of Oz and you know midget wrestling and stuff like that. There's always going to be people for those roles. You guys remember the movie Willow? Badass movie. One of my favorite movies of all time. And the lead was a dwarf. What's his name? Like Billy Barty or something like that? Um, 
What's that guy's name? I gotta look it up real quick. I hate to slow the show down, but uh, I want to remember what this this dwarf's name was because he's such a good actor. Uh, come on, Warwick Davis. I apologize for that. The guy's name is Warwick Davis, and oh man, this is the same guy that played the Leprechaun in the Leprechaun movies. And Willow was just such a badass movie. Val Kilmer is in that movie. And he's a great swordsman in that movie. And there's a love story in that movie. And it's fucking awesome. And there's even this fucking ugly-ass hairy troll thing. And it transforms into this giant ugly dragon thing. And it's, oh man, that movie's so fucking awesome. But anyways, um, so uh, Warwick Davis, he's, he's one of the... Uh, you know, more successful LPs out there. And another one would be Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Like, what? How, how cool is that? A guy is actually being taken seriously, not only by Hollywood and those types, but by the entire world, because that show is super popular. And like it or not, he's the most popular character on the show. His character, Tyrion is the most popular character on the show. In fact, in the books, he dies. But his character was so popular that they kept him on the show, which I'm grateful for. So, once again, big shout-out to all those little people out there fighting the good fight. I'm going to go ahead and move on now, but we'll talk about this again. Maybe we might even find a little person that wants to call into this show and be my friend. If you are out there and you are... A little person, just know that I'm looking for you, and you might be a good fit for me. We might have an awesome relationship. You could be like my little mini-me. No, wait, that's that's uh, that's making fun. I, I mean, you can be like my consultant for to the world of the, the little one, or the, the world of the LPs. Hell yeah. If you're out there, and you are looking for a show, a podcast to sort of be a part of, and you are an LP, then Daniel, end of days radio at gmail.com. Or if you know, if you know a little person who you think would be a good friend for me in this show, that's Daniel, end of days radio at gmail.com. All right, what else do we have going on? <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. <laughs> little annoying things like that that I do. <laughs> um,. So, I wanted to kind of go into the whole demons versus aliens thing, like people thinking that aliens are demons and, or vice versa, stuff like that, but I think I'll save that for next time. I mean, we're going to be on all week, every day. You know that, right? That's right. You are not going to get a break or a rest ever because you're going to be listening to this show 24-7. You're going to hate me by the end of this. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen as much as you would like to, and listen to the shows that you would like to listen to. If you like listening to every show, if you're part of that hardcore fan base, that hardcore following, then I fucking love you. And it's going to be me and you and some little people one day at our gathering that we're going to have you're going to get to meet me and I'm going to get to meet you and we will have a beer I'll chug the entire beer in front of you and you can watch my glorious nature my beer chugging skills and we could 
UFO watch, and we can go hunt for Sasquatch, and we can take some mushrooms, and then hopefully we'll see a UFO or a Sasquatch or a gray alien or a little person. Who knows? But we are going to do that one day. We are going to have our big bash, and I'm going to be grilling. That I can promise as well. I'm going to feed all of you. I'm going to feed all of you. And I know what you're thinking, and don't worry. I won't do anything to the food. I would not do that. What do you think? What do you think is going on here? I would not mess with your food. But we're going to do it. We're going to have a fucking awesome get-together one day. And there's going to be events. There's going to be speakers. Who knows? We might even get the get that Ramtha down there. You know, that Jay-Z Knight Ramtha. She, she's going to want it. You know, anytime she can get paid. Not going to be hard to make a deal with that one. We know what she's into, the, them greenbacks. Hell yeah. Okay, so uh, what should we call it? Daniel stock, end of day stock. Oh, that aside, there are a few other things we need to talk about here. Um, are you guys ready? Are you ready for the mind-blowing moment of the day? Yeah, you're blowing my mind, man. You're blowing my mind. So today's mind-blowing moment of the day, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say it's our guest, Adam Gorightly, when he was talking about his LSD UFO experience. That was like the first thing that we talked about today. But I, I'm going to go ahead and label that the mind-blowing moment of the day because... Where he was going, I think, is really important. This whole idea that maybe reality isn't quite as linear as we think that it might be. Maybe our minds and our consciousness does have an effect on what's around us, and vice versa, of course. But maybe there is some kind of thing going on where... a pink unicorn could just come out of the sky one day and stand next to you and poke you with its horn and disappear. And it wasn't any less real or more real than anything else. Maybe amazing things can happen. Maybe magic is real. That's right, you're a wizard, Harry. But seriously, magic is real. And I want you all to know that. I want you to Go in your basement, and I want you to cast some spells of your own. Just don't mess around with Ouija boards. I don't like those. And there's a reason for that. Because Captain Jack is <laughs> going to get you. <laughs> I mean, you could have a full-blown exorcist situation going on. That's the main reason. But anything else is fine. I mean, tarot cards, that's fine. Need some protection spells, you should be doing that. You want to manifest some cashola, some money, some greenbacks? That's fine. You don't have to feel bad for casting spells to make money. I mean, it's probably not even going to work to begin with, right? <laughs> so why not? Maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll get you focused. Maybe it'll just work. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not a sin to be weird in your basement. You don't have to worry. You don't even have to be in your basement. You can be in your bathtub. The guest that was on the what, the day before yesterday, he was talking about just going to the bathroom and doing rituals and spells and stuff like that. Why not? What kind of spell are you going to cast? There's no rules. You know, what? one thing that I've learned is that there are no rules 
and there's something called chaos magic. And one of the big things about chaos magic is you don't have to do things a certain way. You don't have to follow a certain you don't have to follow a certain curriculum. Your magic is whatever you want it to be. It could be a collage that you created. It could be some freaking chalk on your sidewalk. It could be a song that you wrote. It could be taking a bunch of hamburger meat and throwing it against the wall. It could be taking a bunch of... Some people like to spray paint stuff and tag locations. That's like a form of magic. Those designs and symbols and letters that you put up there, people are going to see that, and that's going to affect the human unconscious. Everything that you do is a spell. Every breath is a prayer. (laughs) It's so true. There's no rules. I want you to go out there, and I want you to come up with your own type of magic that's personal to you. I want you to create something like I create at End of Days Radio. I want you to do that. It doesn't have to be a podcast. A lot of you think that I'm telling you all out there to make podcasts. You don't have to make a podcast. You can do anything. You can write a song. You can write a book. You can create some sort of visual spectacle with LED lights and fireworks. There's no rules. You can use silly putty. You can use string. You don't even have to do anything at all. You can just do it all in your head. You can just do it all in your head through visualization and concentration. You don't even have to mess around with stuff. Some people like to have stuff in front of them so that they can have a visual reference to what's going on. But that's really all it is. You don't have to even have that. But that's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to express yourself. I want you to express yourself like you've never expressed yourself before. I want you to rage. I want your heart to be on fire. I want there to be a fire in your heart. And I want you to explode with the fury of a thousand suns. And I want the entire world to feel your intensity and feel your rage and feel your magic. That's what I want. I want to help you be more like me. I'm just kidding. I would never do that to anybody. Oh, boy. Okay, so my iPad battery is running out, and without my iPad, I have no notes. And without my notes, I have no show. So, first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to thank all of you for joining me this evening. Big shout-out to our guest tonight, Adam, for coming on. So nice of him. Everybody, check out his stuff. Get that Amazon Prime. I love Amazon Prime. Oh, my God. Two-day shipping. Are you kidding me? It's free? Free two-day shipping? I don't know if you all have that in your states, but I have it. And you also get access to... What am I doing? Why am I promoting this shit? (laughs) And I'll keep going. You get access to the Amazon Prime app on your iPad or phone where you can watch all of the movies and TV shows and stuff like that. Like, they have all the seasons of Frasier. They've They've got a house of cards on there. They've got everything. Doctor Who, it's it's kind of like Netflix, but I highly recommend all of you go out there and get that Amazon Prime. But anyways, enough free commercials for companies that have little to do with me. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. Follow me on Twitter, at Ninja Shoes. Uh, subscribe on the TuneIn Radio app to listen to the live show. Look for E-O-D-R. It's just E-O-D-R in capital letters. There's no... 
there's no picture or anything next to it. It's just EODR. If you want to call into the show, that's 209-348-9810. Once again, that's 209-348-9810, or just add into shoes 777 on Skype. Like me on Facebook at The Real End of Days Radio. If you want to keep up with the show and know who's coming on, when to attend the live shows, when you can call in, go to endofdaysradio.com. If you're on a mobile device, go to the very bottom. If you're on your phone, it'll be at the very bottom of the page. You'll have to scroll down. If you're on a computer, just look on the left side at the upcoming guest section. If you want to donate to End of Days Radio, big shout-out and thank you to all of you out there that helped me purchase this new microphone. I hope that I sound quite a bit better, and I think I have all of you to thank for that and your donations. I put it all aside, and when I had enough money, I pulled the plug, and hopefully I sound a lot better now. So shout-out to all of you guys, every single person that's ever donated to this show. Big shout-out to you. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to donate, go to endofdaysradio.com and click on that PayPal donate link. Help keep the servers up and the lights on. What else? Uh, Twitter, YouTube. Oh, next show. Tomorrow, that's August 13th at 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. I will be joined by Greg Hausch, who is the spokesperson and public public uh, ambassador for Anonymous. Ooh, that is scary, is it not? Yes, you will join me, or you can join me, I shall say. I should say. You will join me. <laughs> you will do whatever I say. <laughs> Go to your refrigerator. <laughs> Fix yourself a grilled cheese sandwich and eat it. Because grilled cheese makes the world go round, people. But anyways, tomorrow, Greg Hosh, August 13th, 4 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Mary Gabriel on Monday, that's 6 p.m. The Mandate guys from the Mandate 33 YouTube channel who produced those amazing documentaries. They'll be joining me the very next day, the 15th, which is Tuesday and Wednesday. As Bjorn Torvald, who was supposed to come on and had to reschedule, he will be joining me. So we have lots of shows in a row. August 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, I'll be joined by John Stedman. we got Matthew Alafort on September 3rd at 10 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And, of course, we're looking forward to that Halloween Mayhem special. Oh, it's going to get crazy. That's October 31st, 8.30 Pacific Daylight Time. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh my God, it's actually happening. What's going on, you fucking sexy slut? Holy shit! I I I've been trying to like go on your show and try to get you on this show, and like every time, like something crazy happens, like a meteor hits me in the head or something. <laughs> How you been, man? What the fuck is up with you? <laughs> just just chilling. I mean, as you know, uh, end of days. It's split into two different shows now, and it's it's all me okay. now, and it's it's been a challenge, but I'm I'm rocking on. Hell yeah, man. I still be listening to the stream. You still got control of the stream on, like, Stitcher and everything, right? Um, Yeah, sort of. Some things went my way, some things went his way, but it all it all turned into a huge mess, and here we are, still doing it. <laughs> Hell yeah. So what the fuck is up with you besides all that garbage? We know about all that garbage. What the fuck? How have you been, man? You been good or no? Yeah, yeah, I've been good. Uh, it's it's been a challenge. I never, 
when I started doing the show, my idea of the show that I wanted to do was a little bit more like Get Into Corner, where it, there were there would be multiple people on. It was kind of like a Howard Stern thing, where you have multiple characters on the show, you know, being funny, shooting the shit, doing certain things. I never planned on just doing a show myself like this. So this is something that just kind of happened rather than anything that I set out to do. Yeah. And normally, they, you know what, man? That's how shit goes about, too. She just develops into what the fuck. It's a portion of what you what you tried and you, and you still ride with, you know, the same audience with the same ideas. And you know what I mean? All you can do is grow from it. Did you know that we kind of kissed and made up? No, I'm glad you fuckers did. Yeah, yeah, it took a long time, but, uh, yeah, it just happened, like, maybe a week and a half ago. The the, the big war and the drama, it's finally ended. I guess we're cool now. Good, man. Yeah, I didn't know, I, I didn't know any of that. It's perfect timing for me to come in, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because all that bullshit is just bullshit. We're not making money over here. We're too old to be fucking having problems for whatever goddamn garbage, you know. And I, and I don't know the um I don't know the history, but some this is this is my advice because I've been in your guys situation before. There's just some people you can be friends with that you cannot do business with. Yeah, that's well like, said. All right, hey, we 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 creative, we are creative differences. And it's okay. We can still be friends. Dude, we, we've connected so much, but it's time that I go this way and move on and you go that way and move on. You know, I didn't like, I didn't like the fucking, to be honest with you, I didn't like the video with the fucking ET mask on or whatever it was. <laughs> Dude, I didn't like it, man. I even told Max Cole. I was like, yeah, I don't like that, you know. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, well, what I was doing was I was trying to make it fun, and I can see how it would would have been seen and not 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 so fun. So I eventually took it down, but yeah, it was fun at the time. Now it's just kind of like, uh, <laughs> but it was fun at the time. You see, if, if everybody else knew it was fun, then yeah, yeah, that's how it is with jokes, man. Because when you have an audience like that, or that you guys did together. You know, and you post something like that. And, and I, I know you already know this, and I don't mean to be beating a dead horse. You know I love I love fucking you and I love both you fuckers, okay? But, man, fuck all that shit, man. I'm glad you guys are back together. You don't want to fucking put negative, more negative um, fuel on the fire to be cliche with it. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, well, what's what was really hard about it, I mean... You know, all, all things aside, I, I'm not going to go back into that stuff because it's over. But yes. all th- all that aside, you do a you do a show with another person, right? Yes. It's you and Daga. Yes, and 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 lately it's been um, Jilumitsu also. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard her on there. Yeah, yeah. So she's been the third. And and. Right after that stuff happened, not to not to like bring this stuff back up or complain about it or anything like that, but when I would listen to your show after all that stuff happened, all I could kind of think of for a while was, why couldn't we be more like these guys? Why? How is it that they get along with each other so well and they have like this this camaraderie where they don't get in each other's way? 
I actually felt like, fuck, that's that's the real thing that I wanted. But uh, that sounds kind of weird, but <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, just being honest with you, I was thinking like, these guys fucking sound weird. Dogger and I have known each other for over 20 years. We've been like tight friends from the beginning for 20 years. So we've been like prank fucking with each other like this for 20 years. And we stayed like best friends ever since then. That's why it is like that between dogs and I. Like we can say one word and we know like he can say one word and I'll know where not to go. With my next few statements, it's just because we've been together forever. It's like um, comics say, you got to have 10,000 hours on stage, or, or you got to have 10,000 hours put in to be the best um, ballet dancer. I mean, you've heard this, you've heard what I'm talking about before, correct? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, so the 10,000 rule. Yeah, um, dogs and I have been together forever like that, and that's why we are able to do that. Like, um, I don't know, dude. You you know how when you're doing something creative and you just see it immediately in your head? Like, yeah. you, 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 you're making a promo, you're making an audio, video thing, and all of a sudden you get that idea and it's like, like everything in the future is already planned out for you. You already know it, right? Yeah, definitely. It all it all kind of comes at once. There's not how I am with him when I look at look at him in the eyeball. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So imagine that with another person. This is like mine and me and dogs relationship like that is fucking something unique, especially with um how crazy creative we are. Yeah, well, well, I, one dude, second you guys are like to, I would never do it. It takes a lot of bullshit and and everything else, man. Yeah, one second it's like you guys are talking about one thing. And then you go into like a song or something, and you're just going. Is that improv, or, or do you have it written out, yeah. or you just is that Fuck just all no, on the spot? That's all improv. Hell yeah, everything is improv, bro. <laughs> we might have some character names that we remember from the last time we podcasted, <laughs> or I mean, we have written down like characters before and made backstories, but like when we throw to that character, everything else is just off the top. What day are you guys doing the show now? Wednesdays. We do live Wednesday nights on, um, what is it? Uh, yeah, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 um, 30, um, Pacific. You can find it at duckcorner.live. Yeah, man, we do it. Max Pohl, our brother Max Pohl, he be coming on there all the time. Dude, I got so many good sound clips of his sexy ass saying crazy stuff. Everyone get naked, and it's time to come. (laughs) Yeah, dude. (laughs) Dude, we got a lot of good shit from Max, man. Yeah, I I tried to uh, get on your guys' or or just listen to your live show one time, and it just so happened that that Wednesday where I cleared my schedule, and I was like there and ready, and I think like some of the people were in there, like Jill Himitsu was in there. I was like, all right, I'm finally fucking here. I finally made it happen. And that was like the one day you guys did not do a show. I was like, shit. Oh, for real? Yeah, man. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of pre-production shit lately. You, you, know, you got to um, come on here for an interview. Dude, man, you, dude, you're more than welcome. All we got to do is schedule something. Like I told you before, all we got to do is schedule something, and we'll, that will be set in stone. 
Yeah, let's do it. I, I'm, I booked myself like fucking crazy this month, but September, let's do it. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that's perfect. Ooh. Yeah, that's perfect for us too because we're we're trying to do a lot of pre-production right now, get back on track, so it's just not like um, so we don't have that um, you know, one millimeter second of, I don't know what I'm doing. That's the only way we pre-plan things. Like we have like pre-production of like. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, dumbass feud. We're gonna throw it to uh, Gay Elmo, and then Schwarzenegger is gonna come on and play for real with friends. And then that's like you know that's three things that we just like. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I know how to set it up. We got it going, right? As long as all the all the you know the music, the the production behind it, the um the the throwing up the video where Dogger can put his eyes and his mouth on Schwarzenegger's face. And pretend that he's Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and playing Hollywood Squares with people. That's what For Real with Friends is really for us. Yeah, that's, it's <laughs> crazy because I remember like when we first started, that was like four and a half years ago at least. More yeah, like close. Yeah. And, and since then, you guys have, I mean, you guys are already going, but since then, you guys have what? Like, you guys have like five times the listeners now at least. Man, it, dude, listeners come and go. It all, it, it, it is that way. You know what I'm saying? Um, we definitely have a, a nice following. But I mean, when it comes down to a following, I know these guys. You, you understand what I'm saying? But yeah, I know what you mean because, like, there's people that are, like, on YouTube and they just talk shit all the time. <laughs> and then there's people that listen to, like, every episode and love the show. And there's a big difference yeah. between those two groups. Like, the oh, people yeah. that are doing those little fly-by nasty comments, I don't need to worry about them because they're not really the hardcore fan base. They're not the people that are sitting there, like, listening on yeah, iTunes dude, and stuff like that. Dude, not even worry about it. You don't pay that shit no mind. I mean, don't even fucking waste one fucking molecule of an energy on that bullshit. Yeah, exactly, because ultimately, who cares? And, and usually they're talking about the guests and not me anyway, so who cares? <laughs> oh, dude, he, he, no matter what the fuck they're talking about, fuck all that negative shit, man. I don't even look at them comments. And, and, and honestly, like, dude, if you stick with the, you stick with your same crowd and just keep growing, like, um, especially production-wise. Yeah, I mean, it's well, tough I mean, now. I'm sorry, I'm, I was going to go a different way. But, yeah, I mean, dude, fuck comments. Fuck random comments on YouTube. That's what I should say. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot harder now because now we have to do everything ourselves. So, you know, booking gas, coming up with a plan and stuff like that. I mean, it's not always easy when you work a full-time job. Like you said, this we're not, we're not really doing this because we're getting rich off it. I mean, it's great if you or anybody else can monetize what they're doing. But at the end of the day, I'm fucking doing this because I love it. Yeah, exactly. We're, 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 um, next month, next month will be six years deep on getting the corner. Oh, wow. That's... And, yeah, dude. I've spent way more money, or we've, not just me, of course not just me, but we've spent way more money than we've ever made. And we're talking like, if we want to look at it that way, we're probably in the red, you know. <sighs> Fifteen hundred percent. If we want to look at it from the six year span, yeah, man, um, we wouldn't be doing this dumb shit. It's a release for us, just like you guys. Or it's fun, man. You got to keep it fun. And if it's stress, if it's stressful, and you, you're losing relationships over it, man, 
Fuck the dumb shit. Now, okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of getting back to one thing you talked about earlier. You think dogs and I haven't had a conversation before where it's been like throughout these six years where it's been like, you know what, this I'm kind of pissed about this. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty fucking pissed about this, too. All right. Yeah. This fucking guy over here talking about this in the comments is him in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that motherfucker. All right, <laughs> well, well I, I, I'm kind of friends with him. I befriended him. Yeah. Well, he needs to fucking go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's always that shit. Yeah, yeah. I can't just always say uh, 20 years friendship. I mean, there's always work in friendships, but the uh, connection that dogs and I have is is something like, I don't know, dude, it's it's something else. But, you know, really, like, I, I mean, I don't know why I was obsessed about the whole thing, but I think that what it was is that I don't think that I've, in my life, I've been able to make any friend to that degree where, I, I'm just being honest, like, a 20-year friendship where you guys are still working together, after what happened between me and Mike, that was like that was like the big mystery to me. It was like figuring out what makes these guys tick, how the hell they got to get along so well, and how they're able to do a fucking radio show without talking over each other constantly. During that 20 fucking years, you think you, there's, there's been a couple of years where um, we didn't talk. There's only been one time where he wanted to beat my ass. So trust me, dude, I'm just a little fucking dude. He could beat both of our asses, probably. I don't care how many money BJJ and Jiu-Jitsu, you know, right now. Like, he can whoop our ass. Is, is Dogga, like, a real big, like, scary dude? I mean, I've never seen him. I just no, no, hear no, him he's, voice. He's one of them dudes that doesn't have to. He can, eat, he can eat Oreos all day, but he just puts on, like, caveman strength. Oh, he's one of those. He's got, like, that old man, crazy farm strength. I see what you're talking oh, yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's only, I mean, dude, there's been one time he was like, yep, uh, meet me at Arby's. I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, what the <laughs> hell? Don't talk to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck, he really wants to beat my what ass. What happened? What? I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what was that about? Holy fuck, dude, it was so stupid. Um, I came up here to DJ a party at his cousin's house. And, and nobody came. <laughs> he was like, I don't know. We should have had so many people there. And, and I brought up, I brought up some of my buddies from Madison. And it was like, all right, there's no, there's no fucking bitches here except for people's girlfriends. You know what I mean? There's not even a sausage fest. It's just like nothing. <laughs> It'd be better uh, if it was a sausage fest. <laughs> yeah, you know, because um, so I was like, all right, we're gonna go to the bar. I'll, I'll, me and my buddies going to bars. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> no you're not as soon as I heard that from him I'm like oh shit holy fuck he's pissed you, you just know somebody's demeanor dogs doesn't get he's no loud ass rah 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 he's just like alright I'm gonna fuck you up <laughs> he's just like oh shit because the next thing is gonna be a punch <laughs> you know and he ain't a little fucking dude how did you guys meet no. each other anyways um, school. Yeah, we went. We went to school together. Oh, your old high school buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, damn. He was like a year younger than me. Yeah, that's that's that's. I mean, that's really special because most people, I would say, don't have any friends left from high school. Well, see, you know, um, you always hear something about you know psychedelics. You know, help you connect with people. It's even coming out like it helps with um, depression and everything else. You know, something major happened in um, dog's high school life. 
took a bunch of mushrooms, had a bad fucking trip, called me. Pay, and actually, he paged me, bro. <laughs> he paged me to a to a pay phone at at the Arby's fucking parking lot. I was like, man. And after that, dude, you know, I went there and fucking picked him up like a good friend is supposed to. And he was, and, he was and tripping hard on sense, shrooms? You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. Go ahead. He, so he's tripping hard on shrooms. He's like, fuck, come help me. Yeah, dude, either I'm going to fucking jump in the bay and just swim until I can't swim anymore, or I'm going to fucking um, break into fucking Paulson's hardware <laughs> and get one of these four-wheelers <laughs> and drive up north. I'm like, all right. I'm going to sneak out my window. So so what happened was you were there for this guy when nobody else was, and he saw that. Yeah, man. Dude, and yeah. Yeah, and, and every time after that, he's been there for me when I needed it and vice versa. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm blessed to have him in my life. And, and it's, just, it's just it's so fortunate that we can be creative with each other. We've always been creative with each other. Talking shit, just... um. Oh man, you guys had me rolling so hard when you were doing that. Like the first day it was like a Hillary Clinton song and the next day it was like Black Friday. <laughs> song about Black Friday. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, man, we was we was in Black Friday man, we was in Walmart, dude. His wife said he had to get the diapers and I was trying to get the TVs and I got crushed by some big girls. Because <laughs> it's Black Friday at Walmart. So, so you participated in that. I'm sorry. What you you actually physically participate in Black Friday. Hell yeah, dude. Then fucking man, all of a sudden, like in the song, like they actually like picked me up and threw me around. Like, like, you know, how you can body surf people. But since I'm such a little motherfucker, they was like chucking me and shit <laughs> like Dan Marino and stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I went from the um, produce section all the way to um, hardware. Quick. Fast. So what? <laughs> <laughs> where, where's uh where is what's going on next are you guys just going to keep broadcasting do you have any big specials coming up what's going on in your world dude dude man there ain't nothing dude fuck this this is just a release for us we're just normal fucking retards we're not making any money off this you know what's I mean, funny that you say that i remember one time i was listening to your show and all of a sudden you guys start thinking we suck we suck we suck we suck <laughs> They suck. Like what the hell? They don't suck. I mean, you guys are good. What the? Hell yeah, that's the that's the name of our mixtape, man. I, I should <laughs> have like, it on Spotify suck, at least in a, in a year and a half. <laughs> Sorry that we suck. Oh my god. Oh fuck. All right, all right, yuck, man. I gotta I gotta go. I actually like did my I actually finished the show and started playing my song, and then you messaged me, so I was like I switched direction and I brought everything back on air. But. Right now, man. I didn't, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even fucking try to call you in the first place, but I'm fucking glad I did. I just wanted to, I, I seen you were on Skype, and I was like, hey, it's Saturday night. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Yuck Nasty. I've been trying to get on this, I've been trying to listen to this show or call in for like a couple months, and something right. keeps happening. Oh. <laughs> I got an opportunity here. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad you butt fuckers got back together. Yeah, I mean we're we're doing our own shows now. I mean I, I don't think we're gonna be friends like we were before, but it's over and it, that it feels great. I mean I that was a shitty situation. Some people, some friends you can't do business with anymore, and and, and that doesn't mean you can't be friends still. Yeah, you know at the end of the day, what it was is that 
we both have different ideas of how to do the show, and there's really nothing wrong with that. If if okay. at the end of the day we're happier doing our own shows and we're able to express ourselves in the same way, at least we had each other there to help each other get to this point. And and I am thankful for that. I had somebody that before I could talk on the air, before I was professional about it like you guys are, or I feel like I'm getting better at now. I I couldn't do it. Like our first shows. We had fucking webcams, and we would. There's like five minutes of silence. Yeah, man. I remember, dude. I remember talking to you guys. That was uh, again, man. First way I met you guys was just trying to help you guys. Hey, I think there's something wrong, dude. All you gotta do is plug something else up. <laughs> Unplug that mic uh, or something. I think that's how we ended up getting to know each other. Yeah, th- that's exactly what happened. So, and the record was wrong, and, and we just became friends after that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I have always supported your guys' show, like through thick and, and thin, because I remember back when we were just a couple of fucking dudes on Twitter. For whatever reason, you just started randomly helping us, and you you were there for us when we needed the help for whatever reason. Just because you're a nice fucking guy, and I don't forget stuff like yeah. that. Man, of course, man, we can't forget shit like that because you know I've done that for other people that I that I that I never will talk to ever again. <laughs> but I always was with you guys, chat room from chat chat room to chat room, stream to stream, especially on Saturdays, man. I fucking enjoy you guys. Hey, I can still say you guys, even though you have separate separate shows. Hey, it's all good. I mean, it's it's all water under the bridge, and uh, like I said, I'm I'm thankful for everything that happened because it led to where we are now. And when people do do things for you, and there's nothing in it for them, that's rare because most people are kind of shitty where they want something in return or they want to profit from you in some way. And you guys just helped us for no reason, and that struck a chord with me because it was different than things I experienced in the past. Yeah, of course. I, I, I've, I've sat there and tried to think about how the fuck I even met you guys in the first place. I think I was hooked up with you. You and I were the one emailing each other in the beginning, correct? Actually, it was you and Michael, and you were helping him with his mixer and his mic, and, and he okay, was kind of yeah. like going back and forth with me as he was, he's like, oh, I, I just met this guy, Yuck Nasty, and his friend Daga, and they're helping me with all this shit, and they got this show. I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Right and it took me a long time before I ever listened to you guys. Like, I didn't, th- I, I didn't think that your show would be good, because most shows aren't, but then I listened on the ferry one day, and I was fucking cracking up, and I was like, holy shit. I mean, I knew you were funny, but yeah. I didn't think I would be cracking up the entire way through to that degree. <laughs> 